says, hey babe, take a walk on the wild side. Said Regarding Lulu. So Greg, I um, it's been what a few weeks since we did episode ten, which was Junior Dad. Shit, what have you thought in the meantime? We got through the whole thing. Did you think we were going to get there, Greg? I I was confident we were going to get there. Um, yeah. And I um, it felt good. Uh, you know, I think we we. It, it felt like a conclusion the last uh track we were we were anticipating that it might and so i i still feel that way i mean that's uh, on reflection i feel like i feel good about it and i feel like it took us on a journey and 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 it sort of culminated and and um we learned a lot of stuff i think about um about Lulu and 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 Frank Wedekin, the author, and about Lou Reed and and uh, about Tai Chi and about boneless chicken wings and uh, about Metallica uh, and uh, about each other, I think. And uh, so it was it was uh, it was a journey. It was a journey. It was a friggin' journey, dude. But it, it was, was very positive. Was, you know, like friggin' Lord of the Rings. I mean, I don't want to be too timely, but, you know, friggin' magic deck for Lord of the Rings. Oh, I'm sorry. That's a digression. Look, you're absolutely right. Everything you said, I was smiling ear to ear as you're talking because, wow, could not recap where we've been better than, I mean, that was it. That was perfect, Craig. And here we are, right? We've not been alone on this journey. Believe it or not, we've made jokes all along the way as people that have been with us know that we've got two or three listeners. Well, guess what? We've got two of the three or four listeners that we've got <laughs> with us here today. And I want to say, I'm so excited because we had a whole panel put together here, but we had the diehards that you have to be to be in this crowd. That is the regarding Lulu diehard crowd. Welcome, everyone, to Regarding Lulu. This is the show where we're dissecting Lulu, and we have dissected, and we're done. And I'm Chaz uh, Charles, your co-host with Greg Wolfie Wolf. That's who was just talking. And I want to introduce our very special guests. We've got Jonathan with us. He's from Maiden A to Z and from uh, the podcast that is All Things um, uh, Megadeth. Um, so far, so far. So what? And we've got the fifth beetle of regarding Lulu, Sully Man. Sully Man's here with us, direct from New Mexico. Jonathan, all the way from Sweden. Guys, welcome. Yeah, I hope um, thank you. You know, it's funny that I think of myself as the fifth beetle, but not as Peter Best, you know. No, well, I, I was know. trying to remember was that Epstein or was it, it Martin? To be George Martin. Yeah, no, so hey, listen, you know, for yeah, me, for me, listening to this podcast, I think that you know, forget about Lou Reed. I think you two, uh, Greg and and Chaz, did a tremendous job in uh, introducing us all to Lou Reed and and this album, and made it somewhat intelligible because you guys did a lot of homework and background work to fill in. Uh, you know what otherwise would have been a mystery yeah so thank you for that and it and it really made it uh it really made it a good listen all the way through 
Yeah, I'm really yeah, curious about Jonathan's experience because our mine was so different, uh, Jonathan, than than uh, right. um, what you know probably yours was. Um, you know, I did had no exposure to it, and 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 Chaz brought me in on this, and I and I thought this sounds crazy. Like, what is he talking about? Lou Lou Reed and Metallica, uh-huh. and some play from 1890s, and uh, I you know. Uh, so it was booty play from the 1890s. I mean, and, what the and hell? Taking, murder, sex, weird yeah. stuff. And we took so much time because Chaz didn't want me to listen to it in advance. And so right. it just was strung out over, I don't know, what was it, about six months, five months or something, Chaz? I think uh, it was four months. And I kept going months, the other way. Yeah. I was like, oh, two, three. No, I think it was actually four. So Four months yeah. to get through 10 tracks, right? So, um, it, it, you know, which, which was an interesting way and we talked a lot about that on, on the previous episodes that putting this thing on the turntable like Chaz did or in the disc player, probably it was. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the disc, yes. When he first got it and listening it and just sort of playing it, uh, you know, and, and just not being even able to comprehend it at all, like what is going on. So I'm I'm really curious, um, both of you really, Sully and, and Jonathan, you know, how you listen did you listen just to the podcast or i think you said jonathan you listened to the album right you listened through it both actually if you want if i can answer the question but it'll be a bit lengthy so for you for the listener i'll be more brief more succinct coming up but this will be a bit lengthy because there's a lot to say man i've been listening to your show for go for a it. few hours a few hours so uh i mean uh starting out i said that off record that i i didn't know you guys were in the uh, chat group that we got with the deep dive podcast network and i i was for some reason i saw nate which has become a good friend of mine since a few years i love his show deep purple podcast that yeah is. we're sorry he couldn't be here today our schedule too bad yeah. not align but we were hopeful but yes he's another fellow journeyman he has been on this journey with us so i saw him mention lou reed and i didn't know you guys were in and i, I replied like lou reed is that's for people that don't like music but still when i hear something <laughs> that resembles music nice. and then i saw you guys were in felt a little bad about that but also i i really like the idea of doing a lulu podcast that's uh you know it's uh almost perverse which is perfect <laughs> it's perverse escapade in in, in depth you know, it's one of those things where Greg and I are both audience development uh, professionals in either current or prior lives. And, you know, we just thought it was so natural. Let's do a show about a piece of music that the hosts themselves, one guy's never heard of, the other guy totally no, no, it's great. The thing, it's great. and everyone else hated it. And, yeah, you're going to have a big audience with that one and uh, a long life. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, huge, no, huge yeah. stadium filler. But, I mean, yeah, I saw that you guys were on. I was instantly interested, but I had, you know, a queue of shows to listen to and then you guys asked if someone wanted to come on for the final episode and that's at the point where i realized it's time to start listening and hence the summer of lulu that you know Dude, just and that's when us. our numbers like tripled overnight it was insane <laughs> yeah because I, I also today. i fell asleep a couple of times and then it runs <laughs> runs around you know so I've played oh, so we got a couple extra listens four times awesome. you know each i don't know if it counts though but anyway lulu if we go back to my background i mean i do the maiden podcast and the Megadeth thing, clearly very metal, right? And huge yes. Metallica fan. So I would not come in as a lubator, clearly, <laughs> but, but rather Metallica. <laughs> yeah, he's more yeah. of the Metallica club, yeah, clearly. And then before I guess we could go into, into that, metal. right? Where do you fall Metallica versus yeah, right. uh, the so other before, the before metal? Yes. It was like uh, Beatles, The Doors, 
that kind of stuff. A lot of 60s and 70s rock, and I like playing yeah. rock music. And uh, okay. so I, I, it's not like I'm, I only want fast metal, but I had a problem with the people hyped that banana record. Yeah. Uh, Underground and Eco, and I played it, and I was like, what is this shit? <laughs> when, I was, when I was a kid. <laughs> so since then, I kind of left the idea of, of uh, Lou Reed behind. And then okay. I remember clearly like a band rehearsal, the other guitarist comes in and he's like, you know what Metallica are up to now? They're going to make a record with Lou Reed. And we just start laughing. Like, what, what kind of idea is that? You know, that's messed up. Right. And then, you know, it comes out. I have a reaction similar to yours. Yeah. Uh, so we, I don't have to explain it, you know. That's a, <laughs> go back and listen. Uh, not happy with it and, you know, just being weirded out by it. And then really, like, fast forward 10 years, a lot of music, a lot of experimental stuff. I like playing, like, improvisational stuff. I like play, playing sort of jazz, but I'm more of a rock guitarist, but I enjoy mm -hmm. that stuff. I love music theory and I love avant-garde stuff. I like theater as well and okay. poetry as well. So as I got in, and this is where we come to your show, right? Where we are, I instantly realized, okay, these guys actually know a lot of stuff that I don't know about and that connects directly to this, including that whole play and everything. So it's, it was actually really easy listening, uh, unlike the record, that is. <laughs> and then you asked me if I've been listening to the show only and m mainly the show. But then okay. bouncing to the record, as I've, you know, did, as I've did, see how did like you, full volume. How did you how did you feel about listening to the record um, after those ten years had passed and all of that other experience in music and and art and 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 theater and so forth that you'd had? And how did it how did it impact you versus if you can remember when you first heard it and and sort of thought it was was you know had a bad reaction to it. Oh, a lot, I must say. And also, you know, a tribute to you because, you know, you talked about being an active musician and all of that. And uh, I realized, okay, if he digs Lou Reed, there's got to be a little bit more to it than what I've heard so far, which I think even on this record, actually, we'll get to the good and the bad, I guess. But even on this record, there's a lot of stuff that can resonate with me in, you know, pretty much just his thing, maybe more than the Metallica thing, actually. You know, maybe it's more his influence that's been interesting, but... Yeah, it's been very different. Like 10 years ago, I heard I Am The Table, small town girl, and I Am The Table. It's like, it is not yeah. working, you know, <laughs> it's not working. Right. This is weird. And uh, and now it worked better. But I got to say with the spoken word thing, so many times I thought either of you had started speaking on top of the music to comment. I thought, oh, okay, no, it's Lou. Because it's not in time, it's not in pitch, uh, you know, right. it's just completely free. But I also get what he's up to, right? You know, the slam poetry, the beatnik stuff, and yep. and then onward into the Andy Warhol type things, right? Mm -hmm. And that's uh, also a connection to Metallica that they um, they stole that David Bowie riff for Master Puppets. From a song called oh, Andy yeah, Bowie song. Yeah, called Andy Warhol. Oh, yeah, I love that song. Yeah, there's some oh, deep right. connections there, right? Already in 86. But yeah, the quick answer, I guess, is that uh, it was very different listening now. You, you, you found a lot more to appreciate, it sounds like, in the... Yeah, the, it was like I had company. I mean, you didn't know I was there, but I was there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, tagging along with you, and I would yeah. never have listened to this record again otherwise. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I guess another thank you is in order. It's been a awesome, great man. entertaining and learning, you know, infotainment. Well, that, that, that makes it worthwhile, right, Chaz? It does. 
It does that we've got two guys here to talk us talk through this with us that have been along on the journey. Yes, absolutely made the whole thing worthwhile. So very glad to have you. Thanks so much. Thank you. Hey, it's good to be here. Yeah, you know, for from from my standpoint, yeah. Um, what I did when when uh, the the podcast started, I mean, obviously, my interest in the podcast was with my, was my friendship with you, Chaz. You know, right. to you know to be a supporter and. Uh, and you had had said to me, you know, don't listen to it, you know, let's let us roll it out one song at a time. But what I decided to do is that as each episode came up, I would listen to the song, that one song first, so that when I came on to the podcast and you guys were listening to it for the first time, I had already listened it through. So that okay. was actually my second time through. So. It was interesting comparing my uh, initial reactions to yours as as it was unfolding for you. you know? And yeah. so I think, you know, then after uh, the podcast was over, you know, I, I would send you guys a note every once in a while, you know, you know, trying to build on what I was thinking because I wasn't there, you know. So I, I, but I wanted to share as your friend, you know, what my impressions were. Yeah, well, the handwriting analysis clearly showed you were very disturbed by what you were hearing. So, I mean, at times <laughs> there were clearly some uh, connections. We all <laughs> no. were finger painting in blood, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but I don't have to say Jerry, though. Uh, yeah, we, we no, actually very thoughtful. I like the method. Yeah, but you know, I was, uh, you know, my 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 reaction is um, was really the education I got from. The research you guys did, and it was so interesting to find out a that Lou was went to college and he was in into poetry as part of you know part of his profession, and uh, and then the fact that you guys revealed you know forget about the plot of this of the whole album, but that he had written it all before uh, the recording began, so you know we we didn't have work in progress while the recording was going on. He had already come in to the recording sessions, but they're all written. And he knew what he wanted to do right from the beginning, right or wrong, you know? But how would you imagine he wrote it though? I'm imagining rather loosely, like lyrics, not lyric notes, more like the poetry of it, because the music right, itself exactly, yes, exactly. largely improvised, right? Yes. Must be. Or not, at least, not, no. not a song, not songs, but but poetry puts us on. Mm. Right. Free concept, poetry. For sure. Free poetry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was going about your method. Uh, I've been teaching a bit. I, I used to do music and also actually math and PE for some reason. And <laughs> that method you used is much better than my method. And it's what I would use with the kids. It's like you, you they, instead of homework after lecture, you give it before. So mm. they listen before. Mm -hmm. they, so they, that they have their own, you know, I guess on spoiled opinion or, or view of a track or whatever it is and then you get the lecture so i think that's better uh, my method was more like uh, stumbling into it i guess like something kirk hammett did with the ebo something yeah like right <laughs> yeah if it was an ebo i don't know could be i it sounded like an ebo didn't it yeah i mean i, I yeah, tested i played a few of those songs and it's like that right. sounded like spot on yeah yep yep it's pretty One cool of the thing. interesting yeah. things for us, I think, was also listening to their the the 
that we were struck by was was how it seemed like Lou really wanted it to be sort of one take and in the moment and oh, no I love dubs and um and I think you know even you know based on some of the interviews catching the guys from Metallica even off guard a little bit that that was really what they were going to be doing you know because it was so different than probably anything that Metallica and even different you know for the most part than what Lou Reed would would do in the studio with with planning the music obviously with the with the lyrics and and then and then recording more than one take you know oh I just had visions of Lars going like what the fuck you know what the fuck what do you mean we're done no I wasn't ready (laughs) (laughs) no that no what the fuck Right, well, I guess like he, that leading to that day when we hear that the lore was that they went out in the alley and they were gonna, you know, come to blows. But uh, yeah, yeah. But I think maybe he he would be the most comfortable with that because he grew up in the well, arti- right? Yeah, as we kind of learn. Right, he sure. told, said himself that going to school, he had you know like to step over a few passed out poets in the hallway on the way out because <laughs> yeah, his dad, yeah. the tennis player Torben, was hanging with those chaps. So maybe he was more comfortable, and also he's maybe the less the less strict musically of the guys. Uh, sure. I love yeah, given I'm wearing his upbringing, sure. He gets a lot of flack for his drumming, but I love his style, and it's a little bit more one and done than I think. Oh, Hetfield, you know, I think I'm so more... I'm so glad Mark. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm actually I'm bummed that Mark's not here because we've been having yeah, this discussion about you know Lars Ulrich and his centrality to everything. It's Metallica and how yeah, everyone yeah. gives him shit for not being the best drummer, but I'm sorry. He's the fucking drummer for Metallica, has been from the beginning. Um, so that he, yeah, he, he is, is Metallica. Well, He's exactly. Metallica. Because it's a percussive band. And that's what my point yeah, was, was that like important. everything that those instruments are doing, they're playing those percussively. And he's the heart of that. Right. Yep. So, I mean, anyway, long story I mean, short, we, we have it's going to be too going. long of a detour, but I would say like yes. is the talent and the, maybe the musical heart of it. But Lars yes. is he understands music. People say, like, oh, he only gets the business. That's why he's in. It's not true. He Wait. gets music. Yes. He understands the energy of music. The, he he is know, exactly where he needs to power. be. And then think about it. Yeah. Right. How could he do what they're doing now where they're going out and playing two sets? You know, I mean, two completely different right, right. sets every night, you know, back to back. I mean, how could he do that, right? I mean, he's architected all those songs. He knows how to pull it all off, right? We hear about, and I think you guys were talking on your show about how Nico has had to, um, you know, re-engineer his guitar, his uh, drum parts over the years based on his ability. Seventy now, yeah, right? He's he, like, you he know, had a secret and, stroke this year. Oh, you know, he had he a stroke. One, yeah, he, he had a stroke in January. Oh, shit, he went I didn't know tour. that. Ten weeks after that, he went on tour. And my Damn. nerd friends that come on the show, they noticed that the cymbals weren't moving right, you know, on one side. And they suspected he might have, you know, suffered a stroke and been partly paralyzed. But they told no one, which was good, because otherwise more people would have listened for that. I think sure, most people right. would have noticed, only nerds and musicians. So he actually pulled a tour 10 weeks after, um, after a stroke. That's uh, cool and very professional of him to be able to do that. Of course, you have to simplify stuff. And people complain. You know, and I love that, that you guys appreciated that way, that that's his professionalism coming through, right? That he is still able to bring those songs forward and perform them, right? To to the expectation of a rabid fan base like the Maiden fan base, right? Yeah, and you guys play it too, right? So I guess you get the idea that it's better to simplify than wreck the train. 
Right, exactly. Well, <laughs> no. And that's like, I mean, everything I do, like in my professional life and everywhere else, it's always been, and it seems like even over life, it's an act of reduction, right? The finest chefs, what are they doing? It's reduce, 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 right? That's how you get to the, the finest, yeah. purest product, right? So when I'm cooking my meth, I want to get to the purest meth I possibly purest, can. Reduce, yeah. reduce, reduce. But you're reduce. not in New Mexico, though. <laughs> no, but Jerry well, is. That, that Jerry is. Sorry. Oops, I used yeah. his real name. That's where Sully Man is. Blood of Blue <laughs> Crystal, yeah. That's where Crystal Blue Persuasion came from. <laughs> that's it. It was there a good go. series. That was really good. Anyway. Baby Blue. Baby Blue. That was one of my favorite series ever. Um, all right. Well, I mean, this is, um, you know, we, we could go on all day. I think we've got a trash. So here's what we want to do. Let's let's circle back around for one minute because I want to keep the conversation going. But we want to keep that conversation going over the train that is the engine here that is uh, Lulu. So we are actually going to do it. So, you know, how many times, Greg, did we say during the show that like, well, it's not like you're going to sit down and put Lulu on and have a party, right? Well, shit, here we are. <laughs> uh, this is as close to a Lulu, Lulu party. party as I'm ever going to get, I think. Yeah. I don't and know. You are invited. Yeah, That's for you you are. Right? Are you serving drinks, Jazz? <laughs> you know what? You should get your Lubations right now. Okay. I've got yep. mine right here in my, my handy-dandy uh, Starfleet uh, teacup. So um, beam me up, Scotty. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to hit the play button. We're going to start with the first track, which is Brandenburg Gate. We'll be talking over this whole thing. My intent is we're going to hit the button and let it play um, when anybody wants to make a big point or make some kind of, you know, stop and let's have a chat. Just give me the thumbs up or the, con you know, give me some kind of high sign uh, in the camera here and we will stop. And our intent is let's uh, try and get through this thing as best we can, as quick as we can uh, with highlights, lowlights. There's plenty of both, as Jonathan, oh, you yeah. pointed out, right? And in this journey, um, this is where for all of us, right? I think this is uh, uh, for me going to be great because I have not listened to it since we went through it track by track. I never went back while we were going through track by track and re-listened to anything. It was one and done for me. And that's what I was trying to do was say, okay, that's why I think I got to the place at the end where I don't know if it was just, I was so glad that there was the friggin' not only the light at the end of the tunnel, but I came stumbling out of the thing, uh, still needing a shower and still very dirty, uh, but with an appreciation for the art. But I think it might have just been like, oh, like, wow, I'm done. You know, we did. And, and I think like like Jonathan, right, uh, Chaz, uh, your appreciate appreciation of Lou Reed, who you never were, you know, a huge fan of, uh, grew considerably during the process. It did. It did. My esteem for Lou as an artist. Now, of course, as we had discussed, I always knew his hits, you know, those big ones that stand out. But no, um, understanding Lou to the depth of the artist and understanding then his history with Andy Warhol, uh, his connection to the scenes uh, that he was uh, involved with both in New York and in Europe uh, in several places. Uh, I, in fact, uh, through the course of this journey, ended up on Denmark Street where uh, in London, where he lived for a while with David really? Bowie and a couple other people that we talked about along the way. Um, and, you know, so the bottom line is I came to know a whole lot more about him, about then his practice in Tai Chi, what he was dealing with in his personal life. Um, and I did finish reading the entire book. And I do feel that I came to know this, this artist, this enigma, much more than I ever did. You know, the cynical side of me always just figured he was Lou, he's from New York. And I attributed the characters that he put forward on their New York album as being pretty much him. 
you know? And yeah. I would say that that's probably not too actually <laughs> far off the mark. Right. Yeah, what I said was he had the best sunglass game. That, right? That, <laughs> right in the so glasses the and the hair and the jacket, <laughs> the right? He's really like the, the motorcycle. Really look forward. Great sunglass game. You know? Super cool. <laughs> like it, better shades. Perfect. Yeah, it's just on the news front, did you did you hear the story when, um, so I read something about Lou when Sinead O'Connor died. Did you hear that oh. story? Ash, why don't you share that? I did read uh, in my Twitter feed or in one of my social media. Maybe I passed it to you, but uh, uh, so she had died not long ago, right? And right. Um, yeah, there was some, yeah, there was stuff coming out. Um, and there was just a story about, you know, everybody probably knows about when she was on Saturday Night Live and she she ripped up a picture of the Pope during her performance and it you know, caused a big uh, stir and everything and upset a lot yeah. of people. And um, and and so I, I read some of the backstory of that, which was really interesting. And and she had, you know, uh, um, from a from a, a Catholic country and and um, upbringing and, you know, all this, you know, really intense, you know, stuff with abuse and, and with her mom and also all the, the stuff, you know, that was going on in Ireland with the church and everything. So it was, it was very intense, but she, she was at an event, the story goes, um, and, and, and she was kind of ostracized. People were like, really, because it, it was after that, that tearing up of the photo incident and Lou Reed, who's like, I, I guess was like the most famous person in the room walks in goes straight over to Sinead and like doesn't pay attention to anybody else and puts his arms around her and everything. And she was just so grateful uh, to him. And she was a big fan of his. And, and actually also one of the other parts was wanted to sing backup for Lou Reed uh, in his band and, and asked if he could, if she could sing background for, for Lou, but, but, you know, that revealed well, that she ended up doing that apparently in several places, both in New York so, yeah. and uh, overseas in Europe on several locations. Yeah, there you go. I, ha I, I have to ask you, Greg, um, yeah. is he utilizing a lot of backup vocals, or, you know, that kind of lush element in his music normally? Is that something you would get like a side of his voice, maybe in the in the center, quite dry? Would you get a lot of that choirs and such to orchestrate it into something bigger? Or was that a rare thing for him? No, I think, I mean, you know, the most famous song, his most famous song, you know, Take a Walk on the Wild Side, right? And he has that, yeah, yeah, of course. and even, you know, yeah. uh, and the color girls say. go do to do, and then he has a sort of a choir of of, yep. of background female singers in the music. Yeah. Uh, so he was very interested in that, I think, and, and having that kind of aspect uh, in the mix with his music. I mean, his voice... I like his singing, but obviously it's a it's a very limited vocal range, and you know it's a very you know not a dramatic style that he sings in, and and almost a talking style sometimes. But um, right. I like okay. the way he sings, um, and he sings you know obviously a lot differently on his other music than he does on the Lulu album, where he really is you know doing as we've talked about more of a poetry or a speaking style. Yeah, yeah but, uh, but that, that aspect of that aspect of his, um, his, uh, you know, of Lou, that he would be so compassionate to Sinead O'Connor in that moment when she was feeling really, you know, um, you know, bad and, and, and mistreated there in that, in that situation that he would go and do that it was, uh, very interesting to, to learn. Yeah. 
to me that's punk so that's punk so my other my other real connection to lou reed was that he was the cover boy for punk the original um i worked with john holmstrom who is the artist uh, first of all publisher of punk the original from way back so uh did the artwork for uh the ramones uh famous record um so done, done a lot of stuff over the years bosco is his maybe a claim to fame uh, character but uh, Lou Reed was on cover one, issue one of Punk and uh, uh, their uh, uh, interview, I think Legs McNeil and, and John uh, were trying to interview uh, Lou uh, downtown in the village. And it's hilarious. Um, so, yeah, you know, and to me like that, what you just described that when I read that as well, I said, that's the punk side of Lou that would just walk right up to her. Doesn't matter who the hell else is in the room, but let everybody know that. Nope, she's the shit. This is the one, right? You know, kind of a you know being, being anointing her, like you know, yeah, like skipping thing. across any glass ceiling, you know, or any, any exactly uh, her breaking through the glass ceiling. That's like the or, best or, example or of allyship, like corporate allyship. Like people should right. use that in corporate training, right? It's an excellent. Exactly, example. that's where I got the it, word. And and I think <laughs> you know he was showing people how you treat people and how you exactly, behave, yes, you know, and how you be a human being. Yeah, of course, yeah, yeah, yep. and uh, yeah, I was. I'm a bit worried that we wouldn't listen to the album. I'm actually stoked that we're going to listen to it. So uh, <laughs> we are actually going to listen to it. And you know what? Yeah. Let's do it, guys. Let's start it rolling. I'm going to hit the button. Jerry, anything before we go in? No, no, I'm good. I'm ready for Brandenburg. All right, Sully Man's there. All right, here we go. Brandenburg Gate, track number one. This is how it all started. Greg and I were going to go back and re record the first episode. We were like, oh, God. All right. And we started to where we ended up. I've been there numerous times, actually, right. <laughs> and it's pretty close to here. Right? Yeah, it's like 45 minutes flight, or maybe an hour. Okay. Very cool. Who do you think plays this? I would cut my legs Is it Lou or Hetfield? Guitar. You know, that's, it's, it sounds like Hetfield. It's great playing, anyway, whoever plays. Yeah, I think it's James. Yeah, we don't think Lou is playing guitar in the album, do we? I don't think so. Hetfield likes his country music. It's a good question. Yeah, I don't think we've ever looked at that, if, if Lou played any guitar. I like Lou's guitar playing. Me too, actually, yeah. It's, and it's interesting how this enters in a full major vibe mode, or Mixolydian, I think it is. But it's definitely the major third. Um, it's a very bright and uh, positive musical sound here, and maybe that could reflect the small town girl with the, you know, possibly bright future with the tons of success and acknowledgement. Maybe, you know. I love that you think the chord selection is really trying to set the mood here. This is the first part where I felt, oh, this is going to be a tough one. <laughs> you know, it, it's so, but it's like it's got a rough edge, but it's like, yeah, I'm, st I'm, I'm looking up, you know, it's kind of like I'm trying to like make lemons out of lemonade here. The rhythm is the rough part for me. Wow, it's, uh, it's uh, jarring, I would say jarring. I'm not going to say it's bad, but it's jarring for sure. Oh man, yeah, when this was the first thing I heard, right, the fact that nothing's in time, and it was just like, what the hell, James Hetfield is a small town girl? Oh. Yeah, well, I like that bit, because you guys mentioned, mm -hmm. it's been great probably, that he likes to do that kind of gender reversal thing, and you know, it's, it's a classic move, right, to do that. Oh, for Lou, sure. Yeah. yeah. 
but yeah, I don't like the singing part. Somebody like Hetfield to buy in on that. Like to get that level of buy-in from somebody who was at you know 2011, right? Totally beyond the top of their game. Uh, unique for sure. There was some rhythm to it. Some. You know, yeah, there was. I, I seem to recall at a certain point it took on the earworm kind of thing, you know, as like the week went by after the episode, like in between, you know, the. Oh, oh there's one song I really did. Oh, that's it. I like where this got. I like where the basic structure of this song got by the end of the album. As they it's interesting, Jazz, listening to this now again, because I, like like you, you know, I listened to it once through for the podcast as we track our track. And, you know, we, we learned how to listen to this record by, by stu- you know, by paying such close attention track by track, and right, I can listen to this track now, you know, in a different way. It definitely um, hits me differently than it did when it was cold and when we were just starting the album. Cold. You like it more now? I do. I like it more now. Well, I like it more now too. Actually. I, 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 I think. I, I, I think. Because, uh, you know, we were first We were hoping that future songs were going to be more musical. And then in retrospect, after other records, where the other tracks came, we started to recognize this was really a, one of the most musical of the of the album. That's yeah, right. interesting. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Right. Because it was such a shock listening to it out of the game. Well, like like we were saying, right? It's so what they established here was a foundation. They they, they basically like he threw out a framework that they were going to play off of. You guys write tunes, right? We, on yes. your own or for your bands? I, I write yeah. a lot. Uh, Are you into switching like modes uh, in terms of major, minor, or other mode scales and, and keys, or do you have your favorites that you stick to? Um, you know, I ha- I musically I don't write you know that many different types of chord progressions, so I stick with a few different things for the most part. Um, and so, you know, it's more about what what sort of rhythm, melody, and lyrics I put to it. I would say. Because uh, I I think I said once that my favorite key is a new key when I write. You know, something I haven't done before. And uh, yeah. okay. first song, I remember when I found that note the first time. It's very big because normally, like you think, major is happy, but the major key or the Ionian key is actually kind of big. You know, wide. And I think that's why Brandenburg 8 is, is a good song. The riff, uh, the riff is huge, really, in that one. Yeah. No, I think, that, and that's an interesting point from Sully that, that, you know, listening to it cold, that song didn't sound all that musical. But in retrospect, after hearing the whole album and how, how difficult some of the other tracks became, that one sounded almost light and airy uh, in retrospect. This one, My question like is, where did that come uh, from? Was that Lou, or was that the boys in Metallica? Do we think well, the boys in regarding Lou? <laughs> you know, for me, I thought you guys were speaking over it all the time, but uh, <laughs> now I can. Yeah, because he is speaking over it. Oh yeah. 
but I recall this tune, Chaz. You like this one, right? You like the... Yeah, the view. Like the more right. metallic album. Right, yeah. so you've got the music theory. How does this one start out compared to the first one? Because I like this one, the, uh, the Doom Oh, this is the blue scale. This is blue scale for sure, pentatonic. It is used a lot on, already on Kill em All, they use that quite a bit. Yeah, right, so very familiar with what we expect from them. So um, to me, this was, um, and I don't know if we said it during the episode or if I like, oh, geez, I forgot to mention that, you know, but afterward... Um, you know, Black Sabbath, certainly uh, oh, yeah. Soundgarden. I mean, you know, some really heavy kind of yeah. influence here, like early Cactus, like really. Deep. Early Cactus, that's a nice reference. Yeah, well, just, just that real deep sludgy stuff, right? Yep. Yeah. You know, that that again kind of has that. Like I've never seen Lou Reed as a punk rocker, but I see him with punk sensibilities and that idea that he'll throw something nasty sonically. And do yeah, the whole like record, a, right? You know, like this record. album is punk because you shouldn't right. do this. You know? and right, that, exactly. Yeah, it's ill-advised, which I like. <laughs> yes, right, right. I mean, at one point we made like point of that in, like, the, uh, in the podcast. It's like, yeah, the record company at one point was probably like, yeah, okay, you're putting out something inaccessible. It's not going to be, it's going to be profane. It's going to be, uh, yeah, like, you know, all those things. Yeah, we'll get to those things. And our guy go, oh, great idea. Love working with Lou Reed. <laughs> to, like, send out uh, non-disclosure agreements. Right. When we get to those lyrics, right? So. Oh yeah. Well, right. Well, they did have to sign an NDA, right? When they went to work. I don't know. That is but part they, of but this song, this song has the most head fill, I would say too, right? Mm. He sings more in this, and more like he usually sings, even though he sings "I'm Table," which was a meme I remember. Everyone. This is "I'm the Table." Yeah. Him at the table, a table with his face on. That's where we're at. Yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah. Good Lord, yes, sir. Oh, now, what song did they release as a single? What, what the record company had a This one and uh, one more. Yeah, this one and um, uh, uh, Ice Tony. Mm, right. So this is kind of the Metallica single, and Ice Tony is the Lou single. Yeah, pretty much. And, and yeah, the most commercial friendly for both artists. Yes. Good but art. this one, there are so many memes. I am the table with the Hatfield in various forms. Yes. Good drumming and riffs pretty much throughout the song. Yeah. You know what? Again, this one kind of struck me as like by the time we got, I don't know, I started kind of picking up on it early on, but I started sensing too a lot of the sensibility of where they were at during, um, you know, the same anger kind of period. And I was yeah. like, shit, you know, this is the drum sound that would have saved that record. Because yeah. St. Anger had some highlights, just like this one, but that drum sound tanked that thing. Some impossibly bloated arrangements, however, on that one. Like nine minutes of a riff. Or, and, no, that's pretty much at home here. With this yeah, well, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right, yeah, right. Oh, that, so, that song's like 20 minutes. Uh, okay. Jerry, which one would you prefer, Jerry? This one or, um, or um, Brandenburg? I, I like the Brandenburg better. Yeah, me too, actually. Even though there's a lot of Metallica in there, I'm not really looking for Metallica when I listen to this. Yeah. Because, you know, then I would listen to Metallica. So I would agree with that, actually. I think yeah, I was listening for the too. story. But I think going back to the concept of the podcast, what was interesting to me is that we started to explore the history of how these lyrics came about. 
Yeah, that was the best the part. Yeah. The the plays, all of this stuff, that if you were just a listener for the first time, not knowing anything back, background of the plays, you're, you know, your uh, reaction to it would be entirely different. It expands the experience. So, I mean, if I listen to this without knowing all the things I learned from uh, Chaz and Greg during the podcast, I would have dismissed it out of hand. It was just no As so many of us did, Sully. I mean, when this thing came out, it was like, are you kidding me? Oh, my God. The concept of having to work for something so hard, no way. And now, you know what, now, you got a couple guys like that like really proggy, very in-depth heavy metal, right? So, talking about Iron Maiden, like, you know, those are records that they're, con- you know, a lot of them are concept records. You have to dig in and get the common themes and, you know, see how the album stitch it all together. And, you know, there are, like, you know, things to talk about forever, right? Right? Yeah, and, it's, uh, very much for nerds. Right, exactly. And this one, this one, my God, right? So Pumping Blood, we are on one of those tracks that is, is like when you, when people, in casual, uh, casual metalheads in conversation, if they've heard anything off of this album, it's more than likely this song. Yep. And it's pretty good too. But the best part for me, and that goes along with what uh, Jerry just said, is that I was actually getting a bit of dramatic effect from you guys guessing where we're at in the story and then when you realized sort of along with me i guess listening that shit we're at the end of the we're at the dramatic end in track three i was like getting a pulse from that yeah right that's where we were like where the hell can it go from here we're only into track three right like she's killing them off now it's like i'm not prepared for this and yeah you know that's another bands it's all so neat and easy they're putting together it's like an entire work you got the whole thing it's got classic story arc right there's the hero the struggle you know the you know the conflict resolution the hero you know but this was like what Wait a minute. No, no way that Lou's going to make it that easy for us, right, Chaz? No. That you could just have it follow a, just a, a, a nice and tidy package. But, well, uh, that's where I start getting resentful. Like, what the fuck? Like what? Oh, How did I miss this? And then the autobiographical aspects, too, that it seemed yeah. to be very strong. In, uh, in the, in now it's getting explicit. And that drone... Ebo, yes. yeah. I had to get that back out and bring it to, to practice. Here we go. Oh, there we go. There's an Ebo. There's an Ebo. A real living black and red Ebo. Come on, James. But remember the whole background about buzzing and death. Yeah. That, that so, was what we learned too. Yeah. Bees. Bees right? symbol. Buzzing bees symbolize death. Oh, that's right. So this is where well, know any, Sully Man know was doing a lot more research every week than we were uh, early on, Greg. He was looking up references, and he was coming back with all these great facts. So, yes. There's context as it starts to build that you just don't anticipate. I mean, you do not. I did not go into this record, and I was going to have to intellectualize it, thinking I was going to have to work to really, you know, embrace it. But, uh, I mean, not embrace it, but work to understand it. Yeah, we, I think we, we 
realized uh, pretty quickly that there was a fair amount of depth to this. There was a lot of references. There was a lot of stuff going on. Um, you know, the direct movie reference and then a lot of other stuff that, that we brought into it. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty dense, I think, uh, as an as a album and uh, lyrically. There's a, lot, there's a lot to dissect. Um, and I think we, you know, in, in some respects, we just skimmed it. You know, because we just did that one pass and sort of right. were experiencing it in the way that we did. But you could spend some more time, and there's probably as Jerry did, as, as Sully did, and 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 dig out some more nuggets for sure. There's a lot here, right? But but Johnson, yeah, I, like I love you, how you describe like that. Talking. Yeah, that like roller coaster being with us to be like, what the fuck? Where is this? Oh my god, it's the end. Yeah, this song, and it's a very dramatic riff. Actually, a really good one, too. So, yeah, this was a nerve wrecker in a good way. And uh, you guys stopped it very often, and I like that. You know, you didn't, you didn't, you weren't afraid of, of losing momentum. You were rather going quite deep, I would say. Of course, you can call it skimming it, but I think it was, um, yeah, I like that. It was a lot of uh, reflection on your part. It was, it was really the only way I could, like, justify listening. Like, spending my time sitting here listening to it because like you know I, I was saying to, to Mark when we were talking about some other songs like off of Van Halen 3 this is not an album you sit down and rock with man you know it's just like no you, you really you have to appreciate it for what it is when it was what it's trying to do uh, it's you know it's so much more than a concept record to me it's just like you know no other work even the best concept albums have not demanded as much of me as this or I would even say it's like an insulation like three. but you know certainly this is the most challenging work I've ever ever dealt with as a fan. and we really kind of got lucky I think um, with that added element of, of the uh, Tai Chi book getting released partway yes. through the podcast two events, and, right? yeah. yeah and get, getting yeah there were a few timely things that happened Greg yes. that we were just so fortunate to have happen yeah. and 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 of course the uh, Buffalo Wild Wings lost oh but, that story you know, that wow was, that was yeah, very my calls being from Buffalo and then also yeah <laughs> Even on my end, it was things that lined up too well. So your, also, your co-host <laughs> is from Buffalo. He's got a real opinion on the wings, huh? Yeah. He's from Buffalo. His name is Greg. And also, I have a song that I've sampled uh, Bill O'Reilly. We'll do it and live! He came up in your show as well. Oh, oh yeah. We'll do it live. We'll do it live! We'll do it live! <laughs> we'll do it live! Uh, it, was, uh, it was scary, you might say. We'll do it live! <laughs> That's so interesting. It was destiny that you were here with it's us. Destiny, sir. yeah. Yeah. We'll do it live! There are no accidents. No. no, we'll do it live. No, and Sully Man's one of those figures who's always in the background. He's always there, ever present. What did you guys think oh, about I'm that? I'm always rooting for you guys to have a good show. You were. It wasn't the music. It wasn't the music. It was the show as well. It was, and you were great, and and you were with us all the way. And now, and the reason why, you know, it's so so. Uh, cool is that you're a fan of music and you transcend all genres as well and uh, one of the reasons I knew you'd be so interested in what we're doing here is you were sending me uh, your personal uh, playlists from your explorations out on uh, Spotify and man throwing the horns dude you were throwing up some kick ass metal uh, and I was like you know what Sully Man's there so he's gonna dig what we were doing and sure enough you bought in uh, and I know you're a heady guy too, very intellectual. Can I see that? Pursuit. So, 
we are like here talking over Mistress Red, and I can remember this one being one yeah. that we were kind of. Oh yeah. This is right? uh, pummeling, I guess you could say. This was one that beat the crap out of us, right, Greg? Right. This one's rough. Very intense. Bloody strap. <laughs> this, I was coming up with a new. Oh, yeah, the bloody strap. For my work group, right? Yes. Yeah, Chaz, uh, you. Start the fist. Yeah, this was the. You were able to incorporate that, right, into your work life. Yeah, this, this is where we started going back to, to you know, uh, Nugget Magazine and, and those glory days of <laughs> publishing. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. Good old days. In theory, I like this track, but it's the least good so far. Yeah. In theory, I like that deal. Well, I think we, you know what, again, I think um, when this came on, I think there were big smiles on my side all around just because of where we had been. Um, now, again, too, right, the effect of going through this, like, as the album rolls, uh, to us, like, the songs were taking out, like, so much longer, right? And again, we didn't go back in and start, let's go through and listen one more time and bang our heads. Um, I'm digging the way it comes out full blast, and I do remember when this came on and when, and I was like, oh, finally. Yeah, it felt like halfway through, you guys were a bit, uh, I don't know, uh, the key might be by this track, but I might be called wrong. I'm not sure, but I think you guys were a bit puzzled, I guess, by the never-ending intensity of this track. Yeah. Well, correct me if I'm wrong. I do not think you're wrong. This one had a, a, a brutality. And I think now, too, right? So what track is this? I think it's like track four. It doesn't have any chord changes either, I think. No, I think so. At one point, it became kind of repetitive, right? Like, it went on too long. Um, but I was really the riff. Yeah, that's an interesting aspect, um, I think. We were trying to, you know, sort of guess the how intentional a lot of what was going on was and, and and sort of my conclusion was almost everything was very intentional on Lou's part uh, you know from you know the one one take uh, the mistakes the uh, you know just the different aspects that we would question like or even that you know is this too droney and there's no changes and there's right. and whereas some and then some of the other tunes had all of this dynamic range where they kick it way up and they bring it down really quiet and different parts almost like classical movements in the songs and and I, I feel like everything you know my conclusion is that a lot of this is very intentional and there's you know Lou has a journey that he wanted to take us on and, and you know it wasn't. It wasn't supposed to be easy. It wasn't supposed to be clean. It wasn't. There was a lot of things that he, you know, um, was trying to convey, and, and a lot of difficulty um, that was important to the story uh, and the album. Um, that you know is a little hard to understand uh, when you first when you first listen. But 
Yeah, that was. I don't know. Do you do you think there's a lot of intentionality? Do you guys, Sully and, and Jonathan, think there's a lot of intentionality in all these aspects that, that we sort of question, um, or do you think you know, hey, it just happened and, and he wasn't really, it wasn't all that intentional? It was sort well, of I think the idea that I think the idea that he was only doing one thing showed that he didn't care as much about the music as he did in, in emoting out these lyrics by that he had written, you know, at least months and months and months ago. He needed to get it out. And, and then he wanted to move on to the next. So I think that's what really came through. But I, I almost feel like the emotion on his part. part of emotion in the poetry. Yeah. You know, I feel the, almost sully though that the that that the, the the way it came out and the and the sometimes the 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 crudeness of the music and and of the arrangements and of the way the the his voice goes with the music and all those aspects that was part of what he was trying to do it wasn't an, it wasn't like that happened and oh well you know it didn't come out that good but all I care about is you know I just want to get these lyrics out I think he wanted I think those are part of it for him. Yeah, I think you had you had mentioned that back during the show itself. I mean, the podcast itself. That, yeah. You know, that yeah. that was part of what he was trying to do. He wasn't necessarily trying to create perfection. The imperfection itself may have been part of the motivation. Let's have okay. a quick pause in the music after this track. Um, okay. Just to to expand on that uh, or rather reply to that question really yeah uh, because go that's for maybe it. the most the most central question we got here go for it is that and i think i mean i agree essentially with what you're saying i don't think the music was important in in that level of detail as if you would write a metal album or even if even his older stuff i think it's very emotional for sure and about creating a soundscape for said emotion i think that's the biggest thing i picked up my guitar now during this track it's all e that's the whole the whole thing is e you know mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then he goes to the quarter of that which is a for a bit on top of the e the e is mm -hmm. still there so i mean it's not i think it's meant to uh, be understood um, the, the way Sully did which is that it's about the emotions and that's why probably why he brought in metallica in the first place because i've been thinking about that during your show why did he bring in metallica of all bands and i think maybe it's because he wanted a particular sound that he knew he for sure couldn't do the Maybe not his old friends. heaviness right yeah intensity and even like there's a certain messiness to it that i think is intentional and i agree that i don't think it's like ah that was a shit take but let's keep it i think it was that was the not spontaneous but it was the raw take you know the raw take of this warts and all that type of concept yeah and i think it's very intentional and the uh, i mean are, the my father's a huge yeah, we definitely came to that place by the end. We definitely felt like it was his Genesis project. Like he was building that thing up. Every piece of it was there for a reason. It was a building block kind of thing. And that's where he got even like the sense of surprise. Like I think and even springing it on the band that, hey, nope, we're done. We're moving on. Like as it progressed, the music got better. I think by this track, it's starting to become apparent that maybe they were, you know, comparing notes before they came into the studio, uh -huh. uh, you know, that day, right? Because the stuff's a little tighter. And I think we see that as the record goes on, like they started anticipating having to work with 
his criteria a little bit better as a band. Right. We 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 thought we felt like as the album went on, they learned how to play together a little bit more and understood Lou a little better as a as an artist as as the album progressed. And had Phil sings less, which is better, I think. <laughs> I don't think yeah. his voice in this context. I don't really need it. Uh, Agreed. Yeah. He and, didn't uh, bring anything at any point. I don't think we were ever like. I mean, I think at one point we were like, "Yay!" At least it was all in key on one song, like uh, when they were yeah, singing yeah. together. But yeah, generally speaking, it did not work for us that way. No. So it's interesting. Is, oh, sorry, John. And what I was going to say is, is I thought it was a really interesting point when you talked about, you know why Metallica, right? Or or why would he bring Metallica in on this particular album? Yeah. And then I, I started to think about, well, what would what would this have been like if he brought his regular band to to this music? Yeah. You know, and I don't know. I mean, it would be wrong, I think, right? It just it's yeah. so well, perfect segue, so Greg. Right? Well not wrong so enough. Maybe it wouldn't be wrong enough. Maybe this is, you know, because it's ill-advised in his nature. So maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. just go yeah, for right. it. <laughs> yeah, Ice Honey. This is the most. It would be track. closer to this, right? So this is Lou's single. Distortion right? is off. Said? And this, this is, is by what we said far closest to his vibe, right? By far, my favorite track on the record. Coming yeah, in. I think a, we, we all like this. Yeah, we like this in the This is and the only track that I've made. I threw this in a pre-show set list. Um, so in a Spotify list before the band went on. Yeah, yeah it's the only track that I would be like, wow. It's like accessible though, right? It's more and it's more like just a loose song, and it has the R and B aspects to it. And it sounds like a crafted song, and it's very different than a lot of the other stuff that he's doing. On here. It right, and this is like at that point too, where Metallica has already gone through the makeup phase, and they've done their version of glam, and you know, uh, you know, Hetfield has tried to sing, right? So everyone's gotten used to the fact that they're going off script sometimes. And so I don't even, I think this one worked as far as like Hetfield going a little out of the, a little out of the stable. I think this one worked. There you go. Like it's better than you know, small town girl. Yeah. I agree that it's accessible, but if you listen to those chords, there's one of them that is particularly dark. That one. Yes. Yes. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but maybe a minor with the second on top or something, or maybe just a minor. But now oh, I love that you're analyzing it to that extent. Yeah, you're right. There is definitely a dark turn in that. Yeah. Right. I didn't hear this song back then because this one I would have liked back then too. You know what? Same here. Yeah, I think, um, like I said to Greg, as we were going through the thing, I listened to once and I, I think I was like being generous by saying maybe one and a half. I might have gotten like to pumping blood the second time and dumped it because I honestly, when we heard this, it did feel like it was for the first time. And I did like it much better than anything else on the record. And this is what I would have expected. Like if someone would have then said, oh, you know what? Now can you see how it was a no-brainer that Lou could work with Metallica? I'd be like, yeah, that worked. Right? If this was the first thing I heard. Yeah. This is a big element of Metallica in it. I mean, it is the Lou song, but this is really like Lou Reed and Metallica. Yes. No, you definitely hear both artists. Yeah. Yeah. Or at least Metallica playing with Lou. Exactly. And and I mean, he's singing. Lou is singing. 
Yeah. Thank God. A bit this is <laughs> much more much. like more like what he does. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't ask for much. Just a bit of melody. <laughs> and, and you know, at this point, you're starved too, right? I remember you guys as well. Like, oh, singing. Yay. <laughs> right. Oh, we have, a, we have a song here. Oh. <laughs> That's something you see in theater a lot, you know. Like, you have a super slow face just to get the, everyone into a lull and then when you deliver something powerful or intense yeah. it's all much more rewarding in that way so. yeah, I think there's a plan to that you should talk lyrics as well not just wear off into my music uh, theory emergence no yeah the lyrics I mean I think they yeah, I think for this format the lyrics you know until we get to I mean a couple of standout tracks yeah uh, with well, some guess... of the out, more outrageous lyrics but yeah I think you know generally speaking I thought it was pretty cool uh, how he you know, went back and forth from the source material in the play uh, to the autobiographical stuff and then how um, I even think there was at some point some political kind of commentary going on um, but I think that was a very, you know, small piece of it. Uh, all in all, I think there was, like, everything I expected from Lou Reed at the end of the day. As I thought about it more in retrospect, I was like, yeah, it kind of was a classic kind of Lou Reed record, all those themes. I don't know, Greg, you're more a fan of his, but I did, as a result of our exploration here, go back and listen to uh, at least his, his first, like, seven or eight records, like, in a row. And I was really struck at like the progression and how he grew and how that was so evident in the recorded work. Um, but I don't know what's your take on that. Um, you know, I, I'm not a, a, a deep listener uh, of Lou, so I'm an appreciator of his music, and I like a lot of his stuff that I have heard. But I don't really know the whole progression of albums in that way uh, okay. to to say. One way or the other, I would say. One thing I enjoyed lyrically was you guys guessing which character is this about, where yeah. are we in the play. And since yeah. it's like anachronistic as we established, it was a it was, you know, a great fun, sort of a murder mystery tale. I mean, it's murder and it's a mystery. Where are we even in this chronologically? Where are we in this? And you yeah. guys spent your time and sometimes you were kind of lost and then I thought you wouldn't get there and then suddenly pops, Ah, it must be this. So yeah. that was yeah. something I enjoyed in the show. You know, I would never have listened like that. I, I, I mean, I enjoy lyrics more now, more and more as I get older. Like my dad is a lyric guy only. He doesn't play anything. So okay. I'm, I'm, you know, getting a bit of that from him. He, he likes his David Bowie and Bob Dylan and all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. You know, the great lyricists of, of the times. And uh, But still, you guys did that whole sort of almost guessing, qualified guessing, you know, guessing with <laughs> yeah. research. And that, that yeah. was also something, uh, um, yeah, I think unique to the regarding Lulu experience, at least for, for this one listener, that is me. Awesome, what do you think, man. Jerry? What do you think yeah, about that? I, I, was, I, was, I was really taken again with the fact that, you know, they had done their homework and read the, had read the books and read the background. And what, all I had read was Wikipedia. <laughs> so, but <laughs> so, you know, you, so you, you're coming in with this, at least for me, a very, very skeleton-like knowledge of what it was supposed to be about. So hey, I think yeah, Lars would appreciate that this, just enough right this, there. Just you know, it's hard. It was hard. 
just just to, to know that you you at that point at least had the the background knowledge of you know doing you know going to Wikipedia, understanding there was source material. Frank Wiedekind, um, you know, at a certain point you started drawing allusions uh, and comparisons to La, Lolita and other types of works. You know, yeah, I thought about um, that too. Genre, right? So. Yeah, that was fun. I mean, I, I think that, you know, the yeah. mystery part of it is was really, you know, part of whatever satisfaction you could get out of listening to this album. Well, I'm was, trying to figure out the, where the hell was, was trying to things out, you know? Yeah. Chaz, can you pump this bit? It's a little bit quiet. I thought this was pretty nice. The uh... Yeah, Cheat on Me. Yeah, it's quite a beautiful chord here. Oh, it's over now, I guess. <laughs> oh, no, it's still there. No, it's still there. This the drones. Yeah. You're right. Just a I hear uh, feedback noise on top of it. Yeah, that's what they start doing. I've noticed they started layering. There's a lot of layering in this. A lot of a lot of building. Also a nice one. This. Did you go, I think you guys went into this talking about maybe the Tai Chi, the how it could influence Why because it has a, an Eastern vibe. Yes. Second best song, I think, is this one actually. To me, lyrically, yeah, uh, the lyrics okay. especially. But I also like the the chord, the droning. I think is a beautiful chord. But I the lyrics here, I actually talked about them when we had a yeah, like a this one, self-loathing, self-betrayal. Yeah, yeah. I kind of yeah, love this one. Is like his regret piece, right? Like, yeah, I really screwed myself all these years. Yeah, I broke this. Yeah, I kind of knew he was his own worst enemy, kind of thing. It's gonna sound like I'm very fun at parties, but I brought this up at a party, hearts. and we talked about this song <laughs> and these lyrics, and uh, hey, they're interesting, you know. They're interesting to they everyone. Yeah, why do I cheat on me? It's a great line. Very, very clever lyric. Yeah. I don't love any yeah. of them. At this point, why my respect for Lou was, you know, climbing and climbing, and uh, Greg being the ambassador. So here is kind of where I can become uh, maybe not a Lou Bader. Or maybe a new <laughs> bet or something. Lou <laughs> better. Lou better. You're betting on Lou. Lou better. Lou better. Lou better. I'll give him a chance. Got a chance on Lou. Do you think when he was writing these songs that he was going through drafts of them or you know, correcting them and going back? You see, you read about some people who spend a long time writing a song. These were songs, and others that write songs in five minutes. Do you, you think these were songs that were, you know, written over time and collected and new drafts, or just it all kind of came out? I can't figure that yeah, out. So was it slam written? I was on this topic just the other day. Uh, uh, yeah, you go, you, you're getting in, Greg. I'm, I'm going to be quick. But I was on that topic that, for me at least, the, the, the amount spent on a track is so different from track to track that it can be one hour, two hours. And it can be almost a year, depending on like which kind of obstacles I would run into. So that makes it hard to answer. Uh, in this song, you got chords too. Dun, 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 two chord changes. Yeah, so yes. I don't know, really. That's my own reply. I think it was written fairly quickly musically but I think the lyrics might have had a lot of work but I can't say yeah, yeah it's uh, my sense of it if I was to answer that it would be that um, it seems 
like a lot of it is written in a sort of stream of consciousness way. So I feel like a lot of it came quickly to him, uh, but you know, it's hard to know, and I don't know anything about how he writes and what his process is. But you know, these are to me these aren't these don't strike me as crafted songs. You know, there are some songs where every word you know, and there's a rhyming element and there's a pattern element. I mean, there is to this too, but that it's not crafted in that um, very tight way. It's, it's written much more, um, uh, to me, you know, loose and, and stream of consciousness E. So my sense is that, that the, this would have come fast, but I certainly think there had to be some amount of editing. Uh, Sully on this I, you know, I don't Why think it do came out you know in one draft these songs Why but do I but I, I don't I don't get the sense that that he also oh, really you know sort of polished them or agonized with the lyrics you know. I don't know guys I mean these to me like you know very purposeful choice I mean there's a real economy on here why do you cheat on me why do I cheat on me why do I cheat on me why do I desecrate me why do I kiss my dreams? That's because that's what it is. That to me is fucking profound, man. That is chills now. You know, and and seriously, like even the words come before it. Light the, let the light of stars pour out like a candle in out. Let the wind recede and break like the starlight radiate. I mean, that is like something really great. Like we said before, like I mean, that's like the heart of like the hardcore slam poets. Right yeah, now, but I think it, you know, it's like the culmination. Or did he have to work at that? To me, that that had to be worked on. I don't know though. I mean, I you know I would say that you know he's such an experienced writer. He's written so many songs at this you think point. He could do he that on demand, like extemporaneously, well, just bust that out. Maybe fairly can, quickly. I do. Maybe. I think he can do it quickly. Uh, is yeah. my sense. If I had to guess, the bus but, to run that way, huh? I'm leaning that way, but... and I don't want to take anything away from it because he's, you know, obviously he's very profound and very great writer. Oh, he's dead. You're not taking anything from him, but <laughs> but I mean, but, it's, I think it's rather reverse. You're not taking anything away. You're adding to because they seem, yeah. like you said, Chas, they seem worked on. So if he did that quickly, that means he has something to say. That means he has yeah. some kind of poetry in him. And I, I mean, that party. I didn't spoil the party. This was a good lyric to have as a deeper type of discussion, you know. Oh, uh, absolutely. Small hours, the small hours, the late end of the party, you know. Right, so, right, uh, exactly. Thought-provoking, I would say, you know. Discussion-provoking. <laughs> yes. I'm only young once. I want to taste it all and have fun. I have no real feelings in my soul. Where most have passion, I got a hole. I really got nobody else. You know, I think there's a lot of autobiography in this, and like you said, yeah, into the wee hours, the confessional stuff. I mean, yeah, yeah. in terms of one if of Mark the most was here, songs. Mark was here. He would mention Nine Inch Nails because this one has a bit of the Nine Inch Nails vibe mm. in the dark, dark relationship. Very aspect. good. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. I feel that. I feel it. When I was on Mark's show, he said that he thinks every Nine Inch Nails song is about sex. And I said, yeah, but it's that twisted, dark, 90s sex. And then he said, is there any other sex? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, he's not a guy that likes to kink shame anybody. 
Oh, that's right. He's very open-minded individual over there. This record would be tough if you were into that kind of shame, I think. Oh, man, there's no shame on this record. No shame. None. How did you use that whip for work? None less shame. Use it for management? What's uh, that? The, the red whip, the bloody whip. You used it for management work. Or oh, yeah, the, the, uh, the uh, bloody strap. Bloody strap. <laughs> bloody strap. <laughs> yeah, we were getting... Remember some conversation I just walked away with. Oh, I'll try that at work. A bloody strap. Keep the team members in line, right, Chad? Oh yeah. yeah. That team in India. Yeah. Yeah. This one. Yeah, there was that intensity too. Get the good lost This group. one, right? Lost groove now. Yes. Hold up. This is where we felt the metallic And this is where we did not need background adding anything. Oh, this is where it's so awkward. I remember you guys. Yeah, it was like, oh, why? Why is that? And then he's like, oh, my God, you didn't, you're not keeping that on the album, are you? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? What the fuck? done? No, what the fuck? What oh, yeah, 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 we're keeping that. We're Let's keeping practice. That. What the fuck? Next tune. Next tune. Next I just track. love Jim Brewer does this great imitation of Lars yeah. Ulrich at like two in the morning. <laughs> it's always like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, that's very good. The funny but thing yeah, is that, that the more angry and agitated Lars is, the more he sounds like a Dane. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yes, right. It comes Looking out. Left about exclamation mark. <laughs> <laughs> it's real fun. Great happens country, to me with my Jersey accent. Yes. Oh, I from New Jersey. I think this was the. I think this is the part of the podcast where you guys had to get your second wind, because yes. it was getting tiring. Yes, we were getting Keep beaten down. Dude, it was an endurance event, right? And so here we were. We were over the hump, but yeah, this one. Hmm. It was not a sprint, Chaz. It was a marathon. Oh, it I totally think. was, dude. And I was dehydrated by this point. Gatorade time. I think, right? I had, same, I had the same experience in track five and six. I was feeling the wind. Yeah. But now we're getting to, I think, the worst song on the record, uh, Frustration. It's very frustrating. So maybe yeah. it's good that way. But I, and I, if I recall, you guys were also like, oh, damn it. You know, we just picked up wind. And yeah, now we're getting this. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I remember that. And it was very much a roller coaster ride. Pretty cool riff, though. The, uh, bring it like an Aerosmith riff or something like that. Maybe a darker. Oh, yeah. Uh, hell, I would even say that's got. Frustration. Uh, Oh, I want to not some really bizarre references, but really like desert rock. Like I'm feeling like you play yeah, like Kyrus or something. Like that. This part for sure. Yeah, I'm hearing John Hong. Yeah, but I'm actually more now than when I listen to the show and when I read it into the back. Yeah. Pretty cool because they have to I like the dark chord. chord. So what chord is that? What's he doing here? Epigraph. Dark chord, but with a major third. That's the interesting bit. That's okay, so it's just a transitional. Uh, yeah, I think it's uh, well, a bit of like a feature kind of uh, for those slash chords where it's this and that. I'm thinking about the scale, not the chord, but it's a bit of an exotic scale. You know, that sounds evil, but it's major. Yeah. Which is 
Pretty cool. Discord. Mm. Yes, that. It, it's, I think it's pretty beautiful. Yeah, I like it. I feel a pain. No, yeah. Okay, this is when. I'm reliving it again now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, this is the difficult part of the record. Maybe. Right. It was like, what the? Freaking. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, but spermless. Spermless. Right. Yeah, this is difficult. Maybe it's meant to be difficult, too, I think. Like the dry spermless girl, and like yeah. this, what we were just like, oh my god, so yeah, this became fodder for I think a couple other openers. I want so much like expressionist drumming, like absolutely. Yeah. What do you think about wife. this part, Jerry? Do you find it as frustrating and tough to listen? Like Where we're going now? You know, I, I focus on this. I'm listening more to the drumming. The drumming comes through to me. The, this free expressive drumming. Yeah. That, okay, that gives, me some, gives me some enjoyment. You like it? You like that? Uh, the, 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 kind of the middle. The middle we need. Mm. You, you know, like have actually pause and let the music go forward. Yeah. Can I see? Uh, do you have it? your metal playlist or your, your inspirational playlist? Do you have that? Can I see that on Spotify? One, uh, Jerry's playlist. Jonathan wants to get uh, some of Jerry's uh, Spotify playlists. Yeah, oh yeah, curious. man. We'll send we'll those through. Have to send those through. Oh, you sure. know what? You know, if you, uh, I can, uh, I can send them to you via email or uh, text or email uh, or you or if you have Spotify or here in, here in the chat. Oh, yeah, I got Spotify. You know, you can, uh, if you go on and do, just search Jerry Sullivan. And I, and when you see Jerry Sullivan, you'll, it'll take you through all of my playlists. See if I find him. Jerry with a J. We just said it. Because I'm setting up Jerry to everybody. So, you know, people who do this. If they, if, I, if they have their name, then it shows all the playlists they have. To be dead. I you found just have 30, you just 30 have Jerry Sullivan. 30 Jerry <laughs> Sullivan's. Yeah. Yeah, I found 30. Yeah. <laughs> that makes it a little more difficult. Well, I'll, I'll send you a link. I'll send you a link over I don't want to mess well, no, that's this you. up now. That's you. Found you. I'll get up with Chaz, and uh, Chaz can uh, get well, me I found your you. I found you. I saw your picture. So it's cool. Yeah, okay. yeah. Cool. All right. He got him. All right. Okay. Is my lexicon of hate? It's, my lexicon. it's over a hundred of them. What's over a hundred. Yeah. The particular playlist for this. That's what I do for a living now. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Spotify. That's, That's what happens when nice. you That's what happens when you retire. <laughs> <laughs> do we have a title for that playlist? Well, if there was a particular one. Oh, I'll have to look up the ones he's, he shared with me. I don't want to mess up where the uh, the track is. I don't remember. Do you There's have a, a lot of You have one called Symphony of Destruction? Symphony of Destruction? I wouldn't put it past him. Megadeth has shown up in his uh, in his stuff. Mm, cool. And I see Iron Maiden as well. Murders in the Room Org. 
Yep. Spermless like a girl. Oh, what, some, do you, what do you think some. of Ghosts remake? Yeah. Uh, that was Phantom of the Opera, but yeah. Phantom yeah, of the yeah, Opera. What do you think of that? Yeah. Uh, that was a rough one for me because it's my favorite tune oh. ever. But I think they did it justice. But okay. Just about. Just about. Okay. Uh, uh, he's if a it's your favorite, sweet, then right? it's the high standard. Uh, but uh, Sully was about to say something. Maybe about the credit. Sully. Yeah, you know, there. whatever is my muse of the moment, you know, I make them, you know, like maybe uh, one, so I, I make, I make, I get, you know, it's interesting when you first started making playlists, you had to have the CDs or the records. But now you have everything. It's really oh, kind yeah. of a process of elimination. You know, right, as you were saying before, you know, so, reduce, reduce. So you're, you're like a sculptor kind of hitting the rock to try to create the perfect thing rather than being a carpenter trying to build the perfect Right. You need the pitch you have. But you don't have to keep hitting record and then rewind and record and record. Oh, yeah. yeah Next tapes, right. Well, that, yeah. It's, a, it's all, it's, it's, it's Nirvana right now. Pretty much. I mean, I'm old enough even to have experienced this, like uh, going from recording C60 tapes to uh, making mix, whatever you want. Mix tapes, man. Mix tapes yeah, and then mix do tapes. CDs, right? I had my and like, oh, shit. You blow it on a CD and you have to go, like, just throw it out. Snap it and throw it out because you have to burn a whole new one. Couldn't reburn it. Didn't have rewritables. We got rewritables. Oh, sorry, I digress. I'm old enough, so my first mixes were on reel to reel. Oh shit! <laughs> so and I was, right, well, that was frustration. We got yeah. through frustration, then we got yeah. into little dog. Notice how we talked about other music during this firmless. We podcast. did because we yeah. were just like that's where we were. Yeah. Good thing he's at. Good thing Chaz is editing this at the end. No, I think it's gonna go as is, man. Warts and all. We'll do it live. What do we say, Greg? We do it live. No. We'll do it live. live. One take. It. We'll do it live. No. We'll do it live. Fuck it. Like, uh, I can't. I don't understand what's on the prompter. No. We'll do it live. Mm. Fuck it. What, what is this? Oh, fucking yeah, thing right. sucks. No. We'll do it live. <laughs> Fuck it. Well, I see some favorites though in your playlist. Nice. Uh, there's a nice selection here. We got ZZ Top. We got Megadeth. <laughs> Somebody Maiden, in the Deep Raiden. Dive podcast was like, no, it's easy. Stop. No. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I understand that. We got Accept Balls to the War. Oh, we love ZZ Top. Come on. It's one of my favorite bands. You like Van Halen. You love ZZ Top. That's just the way it is. It's a great, great band, I think. Yep. Yeah, this big, this dog, this dog song, that didn't do anything for me. That seemed to be redundant to everything else that was going on and was really yeah. just kind of a... Which song? No, story. This one? You think Little yeah. Dog was like some filler? It was a yeah. throwaway? Yeah. Little Dog who can't get in. Um, thematically, you guys figured it was about the, the sun, right? The Wasn't sun, it? yeah. But yeah. like to your point, cry, Sully, was this more like kind of redundant with what we get at the end? Yeah, it was. The narrative in Junior Dad. It didn't do anything for me. This this was the worst song ever, from okay. a concept Mm. Legs, so you mean lyrically, mainly? Yes, or yes, lyrically. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, where was I on Little Dog? I think I came out of this one, like, hopeful. Dog like, we were, like... Lot. I want to say, like, I was, but like... you were also hyped on not, be, 
because someone said that you and your dad was this big thing. So maybe you were hopeful that oh, maybe that there. was it. We're there. Right, right, right. It was light at the end of the tunnel kind of shit. Yeah, because I think the second part of the record after after uh, Cheat on Me, I think it actually drops quite severely in quality. Yeah. Dog has got his spot. Yeah, you're right. Redundant, uh, I think. Sure. Yeah, I sure. think the only satisfaction and walking away was away. The identifying the character. <laughs> Maybe it is redundant. I'm not sure if I would go as far, but I can definitely, I mean, hear that in lyrics and in the music as well. But you know, now that I'm thinking more about it, now that we, I mean, I think when we got to the end, we kind of felt like he was drawn, you know, himself into the Alva role, his father into his, you know, father's role. And now I'm reading this one again, kind of coming back to it. Now this is more perhaps uh, a little self-loathing as a result of understanding that he's become his father kind of thing kind of coming through. You got the money you I don't know this this is to me this is a song that's just like yeah this was <laughs> female dog don't care what I don't know what do you guys think I mean yeah I, I think it's still as even though musically and everything that's not hot and dry. that exciting um thematically and, and tying into this themes in Lulu, the characters in Lulu, and then also the the autobiographical stuff and his his own family. I think it's, Being disillusioned with his own fame. I mean, I think it all kind of just like, you know. It's, it has a place, I think, um, in that respect. But is it good? In the arc of the album and the story. But is it good? And it good. <laughs> Well, and right, I mean that—that's kind of where I got to at the end, man. It doesn't mean it, masterpiece doesn't necessarily mean it has to be good. I've spent more time trying to wrap my mind around this thing than any other piece of work I've ever encountered as a fan of anything. So in that regard, I guess Bowie was right, but shit, yeah. This is this is the first, the only ever I think Lulu listening party that ever happened. Probably ever gonna happen, and certainly in my life will never happen again after this episode. <laughs> I remember that David Bowie remark. I noticed it too. My father right? being a big fan, and my sister being a big fan, and a few of my music friends having him in super high regard. And for me, there's a few tunes. I, mean, I was never big into him, but that was that was a sort of a, that shook everything up, right? So it shook everything up and scrambled it. Oh, okay. For me, it did. Do you, you feel like, uh, Jonathan, that that was a very sincere remark from Bowie, that he really did feel that this was a masterpiece? Wow. That's a, that's a big or question. Is that a, is that a sort of a throwaway to like, hey, Lou's a great guy, and I'm not going to let people crash this? I don't, wanna, I don't want to think that, at least. Uh, but that's a question that I feel like uh, we have to answer collectively, because, you know, we need maybe more opinions on that. I don't think it was a throwaway comment. I think he. Has I don't. I don't either. I, I think it, there was sincerity to it. You guys talked a lot about Luke's pain, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I yeah. didn't really know about that factor. And I mean, as Sally commented earlier on the emotional aspect of of the whole thing, even sonically, that also added a dimension to it. And I'm sure David Bowie knew about his pain, right? Yeah. Yeah. So maybe that factors in as well that he could understand it. A better that way, you know. So I, I can't, I can neither confirm nor deny 
that this could be a masterpiece. It's not a masterpiece to me, but uh, you know. But uh, I mean, this but is just who are we to argue with David Bowie, right? Well, yeah, I don't well, know. Like Bowie's, a, Bowie's a songwriter himself of, of a lot of fame. So, yeah. Uh, you know, maybe uh, he sees it from a songwriting standpoint what goes into writing songs. And that's what it was more complimentary about the song rather than, you know, the overall album. What do you think, Sally? You said about this song being redundant and all. Uh, what do you think about the whole, how close to a masterpiece would it be to you, this record? I don't think it's a masterpiece uh, at all. Well, <laughs> yeah, it can't be with a redundant <laughs> tune on it, right? You know, I, I just think it's, uh, you know, one man's story about a subject he was interested about. But I think to, a masterpiece has to be two-way. I think you have, in order for it to be a real masterpiece, there has to be an audience that appreciates it. I mean, I think the masterpiece is defined by the audience who defines what is a masterpiece, not, not the audience. For me, it did not resonate. So it's not a, a you know, you can consider it a masterpiece. I, I mentioned this to uh, Chaz about Mark Rothko you know, as, as an artist. You know, here's a guy who writes, who, who paints a large, huge paintings of a solid color. And the only thing that's differentiated is the is the brush strokes, but it's just one color or three colors or and and they they sell for forty six million dollars. So and to me it doesn't resonate. So to me they're not even though others seem to define it that way. Right, but you, could you see it resonate to someone else, or do you think it's speculation and make believe? If we talk about the like a well, no, I think I think David Bowie thinks it's a masterpiece because right, right. he appreciate he appreciates what goes into songwriting. I don't write songs, so you know and, I don't have a frame of reference. And what you about know, the paintings? Could you see those be a masterpiece to someone like the all red? Oh paint? well, obviously, if they're going for forty six million to somebody. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, right, but there's it's not somebody. enough of a collective subjective opinion on this, right? <laughs> yeah, well, I think we got a bit I of mean, a collective I, subjective I, I, opinion I, going on here. Well, <laughs> one, thing, one thing that I would I would probably challenge Sully on is that <clears throat> you, don't actually you know it could be a masterpiece, no and some masterpieces are are very difficult, and we talked about this in the podcast. They're, you know, you can't appreciate them quickly. And, you know, maybe to really um, understand a certain piece of work and a certain masterpiece, you have to commit even more to it. Um, and and that the people that, that did that and people who are maybe have also a background in it, like David Bowie, for example, um, can, can see this at a different in a different way and because it doesn't it doesn't quickly um you know a large number of people aren't finding it to be wonderful uh doesn't you know i don't think that has anything to do from my perspective as to whether it's truly a masterpiece um you know and and 
it, and sometimes things, you know, are dismissed. And then a hundred years later, you know, it's people come back to it and go, you know what? We didn't see this for what's really here, but now we're seeing it. And this is a masterpiece. And I'm not saying that this is like that, but I'm, I'm talking more broadly about, you know, what something, what it means for something to be a masterpiece. So I would challenge a little bit that. In, introducing the concept at least, right? Yeah. But I think for Bowie, he wrote some of the best songs like Life on Mars and all that. But I don't think that's why he understood this. I think he understood this because he knew the guy. Yeah. That's why he understood it better. That's my yeah, guess. It, yeah. But I think so. He understood all, what was going into this and, and, and what Lou was talking about, where he was coming from. So yeah. that certainly makes a difference. And we tried to do that, I think. And, and by yeah, doing that in the podcast, I think we came to appreciate it a lot more than Chaz did when he spun that CD all those years ago and dismissed it out of hand uh, quickly. So... Uh, so I guess, you know, if it can move up the ranks from dismissed it out of hand to now a lot of appreciation, maybe with even more effort and more time and more people bringing more to it and more understanding, it could rise ultimately to that level of masterpiece. Let's put it like this. I don't think it's a hack. I don't think it's a hack. I think there's, there is something to it. Yeah. I can go that far. Masterpiece, yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. I don't even well, think it can be a masterpiece with a lot of the in-depth listening for me, but I don't think it's a hack, and I don't think he was pulling a favor when he said it was uh, a great piece of work. And I don't, yeah. you know, like back scratching on a fan. I don't, I don't think he was pulling a favor or anything. No, I think it was that he knew the guy. But that's, you know, my guess is as good as any really. So, I mean, I would say that there's, a, you know, a couple of, uh, the dimension where, for a, for me, right, it being a masterpiece got difficult was the idea that it was exceptional quality. Right? I mean, I, when I think of a masterwork or a masterpiece, like it's a master finished product, it's pristine in every way, and then it is significant. Right, so it's a significant statement. I think the statement, I think we've kind of all concluded, yeah, the statement that he was making, several statements were significant for where he was, what this was to him as an artist in his life. As a, you know, artistic statement, as the artist Blue Reed, it was very significant. Where I had a problem at various points was with the quality and what was being put forward. And the question was, well, shit, how can you consider something that sounds like a freaking, you know, a demo and, and lower than some of the demos that I've made using GarageBand or even going back and getting my Fostex and Tascam tapes out, right? Like yeah, something, something, something like demo. My first, my first work was yeah. Right? <laughs> right? But... but but then where it got and so but my point was was like well i don't know if, like, if at any point like in a work if it's something that un you know unfinished um if it can be even in the category of a masterpiece but where he got to and what he constructed and, and i think it became more than music it became true art and it came kind of you know this 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 beautiful statement at the end with you know the very raw rough tune. Uh, base that we get to I mean we get to see this thing from the ground up is pretty much what he did and it felt like that was by the end of it we got to a place where we felt like that was what he was like there was some purpose to that as we were saying before right mm -hmm. that he didn't go into it like stumbling through like he had a vision and he was executing that now what the guys at Metallica knew or didn't know at the time we, we now know they didn't know much at the time not too much I don't think you know right yeah. 
sort of like. No, I, I think know, it was it, his intent, and so that's why I was thinking, okay, at the end of the day, all said and done, everything that I had, my question of, you know, is that of the quality that makes something a masterpiece? The deal was, is that for me, the thing was a challenging um, work, right? It provoked me in ways that other works haven't. With the song that's in the background right now, Dragon, Dragon. that was a very provocative song. A lot of great things being said there. And this is where I remember, like, we were on this really strong, like, wow, he's really going to pull this off. The album's really getting strong. The music's coming together. Like, I can bring up the volume a little bit, right? As we heard, there was a powerful music going on. Right? So the words were really coming together. Um, and I, I think, think it's one of the stronger on the left hand. Yeah, right. And so, like, this had some, like, and this is where the thing, as I started appreciating it, it was like, what did it become at the end? Not what was it, what was it when it started? It for me, and that's like been this whole thing. When we started in 2011, for me, it was a pile of dung. Where we are in 2023, it's become this thing that I appreciate it. No. It's a lot more nuanced than what I gave it uh, credit for at the beginning. Um, there, there are elements of it that I think were touching on masterwork, which is what we're kind of hearing now, right? But what's going on underneath us, I think it really was built into something there. Um, uh, something I, like for my questions on the thing, I think it's significant. I think it's challenging. It's provocative. I think with what he did to bring in even like historical uh, aspects of like the play and the, the tying it into this you know work that had come before that had cultural significance when it came out in terms of it challenging society and their idea of sexual norms and you know what was acceptable behavior among the elite and the elites of that time, right? So like as I started to appreciate all the things that really kind of like you know what's a masterpiece I was like well shit. Uh -huh. Yeah, I would take issue, Chaz, also with, with that aspect because I don't think a masterpiece has anything to do with whether it's finished and polished and pristine Okay. those things. I think you don't. You can have no, a masterpiece that. that's completely raw and rough and dirty and it's a masterpiece. I mean, I think that's absolutely true. I have to agree with Greg because, I mean, having listened to metal for most of my life, I've gone into some weird realms of things that first time I heard it, it did sound like a shitty demo made on either of our Postex systems, you know, that we had. <laughs> yeah. And then at some point you find it, it, it morphs. It morphs into something else. Mm -hmm. And you listen in a different way that goes beyond a very raw exterior. So I, I kind of agree with Greg there, but I think there's a big point to your idea of a process, a process of, of, of uh, changing, uh, I guess, the outlook on the whole thing, really. I mean, at the very least, your show, that worked in that way, right? As, as a process of getting to know. And I didn't listen to the whole thing. I listened to one song, and then I waited until I heard yeah. it. So, like, yeah. And, uh, cool way to listen to an album but I, I think uh, uh, Sully's example of Rothko also is, is you know sort of uh, you know speaks to it right that, that you can have some brush strokes of one color of paint on a canvas and at least some people are considering it a masterpiece right uh, so yeah. 
Um, I, you know, to that point that it doesn't have to be beautiful, it doesn't have to be polished, it doesn't have to be, you know, finessed and 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 detailed and and buffed up. You know, you you know. So, uh, or you like, know, uh, I think with visual art that you know you see that all the time, right? Yeah. With 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 artists that do things that are completely you know, rough and raw and unpolished looking and, you know, completely successful at the same time. Mm. Or like a black metal record that just sounds like distortion and hiss, you know, it uh, goes along with all of that. So. Yeah, you punk remove, rock you, too, right? Yeah, punk rock, right. You remove the, um, let's say you remove the, uh, the aspect of being a carpenter or a um, craftsman, you take that away and you go for pure expression. Right. But some, I think sometimes the raw for a certain type of, you know, song or music is part of the greatness of it. Yeah. Okay. So well, anyway. that sounds like uh, it. It sounds like to me that we're creating new podcasts for Greg, for you and Chaz. You know, after after this is all over, the. I heard a rumor. I heard a rumor. We've yeah, <laughs> we've actually got some interesting news to share, Sully. Right. Uh, okay. Uh, I hope, I hope as so. we get to a place of wrapping this up, we do have a couple of themes that we think you're going to be very excited about. Okay, and great. Right there, Mr. Martin, Mr. Uh, Epstein, Mr. Uh, who is the other? Uh, <laughs> the fifth beetle. George Martin is, 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 I think, is a good one. Is the fifth George? Is the yeah. fifth beetle? Yeah. Huge, okay. Huge uh, yeah, more the producer than the uh, manager. The, okay, right. Yeah, you're not doing business. No, no. No, he's 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 making he's an music. Architect. He's yes, yeah. he's the maestro behind the scenes. So we have gotten all the way. We are here now at we've got we've got about 19 minutes left in the the podcast, yeah. guys, because that's where we're at. We're <laughs> at Junior Dad. It was a lot quicker this time though. It really was, you yeah. know, my God. Less than four it, months, yes. Oh, man. So, yeah. So now, yeah, we got to this place where, oh, so we, we I remember coming out of uh, that last track. I was so excited, but uh, a lot of fun with uh, some of the lyrics. And I won't, I won't read those off now, but Dragon was a great track. It I really Cool track, it. actually, yeah. Yeah, it was a really cool track, and I agree. And it went a, bu- a bunch of different places as we talked musically, um, thematically. Um, but then we came back to Junior Dad, and, and this was the one we had been, uh, where there had been, you know, tiny spoilers in that big buildup. Something, yes. It was a huge disappointment for me, Junior Dad, I have to say. Like, I was imagining something more right than, than this. And I mean, I, I like improvisational stuff. I've made some 20 minutes track, tracks where we just play around. But to me, this is more of a loop, really. Yeah, but like it doesn't really go yeah. anywhere. So it was a bit of a disappointment, I have to say, this track. But uh, now it's all all nice and good to have in the background. Well, you know <laughs> what it was, party. right? And I don't at, think for at me, the loop part, loop part. Yeah, this yeah. didn't do anything to shake my foundation. I think what it was was the kind of get. It was really. I think we were kind of focused on the lyrics and how it kind of came profound through the lyrics. And, and then. The whole thing was like feeling like it was a funeral dirge, like we were just sitting in a wake, you know, by the end of it, and like kind of 
feeling the the weight of the fact that the guy is now dead. Well, of course, um, that so that goes for the whole thing, I, I reckon. Like the, the yeah. pain and all that. But I would say if Little Dog is the redundant one to Sully, this would be redundant to me because this could have been said without being said for me. I I don't know. I, I, maybe you guys completely disagree with me, but for me, it's just like hmm. it doesn't add much to it for me because I have felt the pain. I've heard about the heroin and I've felt how he kind of identifies with the Lulu character and all of that. For me, this is more like um, a very long credits roll. But I am the guy that sits for the credits in, in the cinema. I am that guy. <laughs> you know, so I'm in, a bit in two minds, but uh, I'm not super Got happy it. about that. What do you guys think? I thought it was really beautiful uh, and and that the the I felt the emotion. And I think at the time I remember Chaz and I both were feeling chills at, at listening to him and thinking about this journey and, and thinking about moving at the end of his life and and it was and it really was a little mystical and, and I felt like it brought things together for me. And, and it, didn't you and fall asleep? <laughs> I recall. Yeah, and, you know what? You yes, uh, that's yeah. a good point. And 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 um, <laughs> it was. I, I wouldn't say so much, Jonathan, that I that I fell asleep, but I was almost soothed by it. You know, after after beaten beaten up so bad for, for four months. <laughs> he flew, sort of took us in his arms like he took uh, Sinead O'Connor in his arms and soothed us and everything's going to be okay. And he's ready to, he's at peace, I felt like. He's now who's at peace and we're at peace. Right. You know what? I appreciate your appreciation more than I appreciate the track. <laughs> Put it like that. Because I can really appreciate that. That's a good point. Yeah, I must I, admit, by this time, I was tired of the whole thing. Say that again, Sully. Uh, yeah. I was by this time, I was tired of the whole thing. My heart was not in listening anymore. You know. Yeah, yeah. I, had, I, had, yeah. I had already had. Yeah, I think Chaz and I were in I a must place that I wasn't uh, all there all the way through emotionally. Attention had been derived elsewhere. Yeah. <laughs> I felt like we were in a place. I mean, I was there. To as a, I was there to root for Cash and Gray, but I wasn't there for Lou. Mm -hmm. Got it. What, is, what do you me. think, Jazz? What, what were you feeling? You know, I, I seem to remember that we got to this point right here. And yeah, this is, this is it for now. Once we got through this and the, the drone just kind of took over and it just became so introspective for what we had gone through with the whole thing. It kind of felt like it was one of those forced uh, recoveries or forced time out at the end. Just like sit with this, it's over. You just been through something. But yeah, I mean, it was it was a letdown in that it was, um, you know, not musically what I thought it would be. But it was exhilarating in that, I, again, I kind of felt like and I know Jonathan's saying here that this could be the one that could be taken away for for him. Um, I just kind of tend the other way. I thought this one um, was more introspective um, and more representative of what we were hearing from Laurie Anderson about 
uh, him trying to really, uh, you know, break free of the demons of his past and his relationship with his father. So I really felt like this one, uh, to me, said just a little more than little dog, little dog. Um, certainly was, you know, a, yes, redundant in a sense, but there Would was a different emotional angle bullet? on that that particular song, right? So I Would think in terms of where he was coming from, from like, right. I think by the time we got to this one, Would I was like, okay, I'm there with you. You're rapping. We're at the end of like this whole thing that you called your life, right? This is where we kind of felt like he was at this place of like it's over, you know, and kind of um, real introspective, retrospective. Whereas earlier he was kind of letting all the bile, you know, all the bile, all that stuff out. And this was at the place where it's like, you know, when I when I started taking that music, deep breath and gonna walk off into the you know silent night. Yeah. Uh, when I started film music. Um, I'm going to first disclaim that I love Americans and I like <laughs> you guys are included but when I started film music they said that Americans need a happy end in a film for example they need like a resolution mm-hmm. and that is less yes. so in Europe and even less so in Russia for example so maybe absolutely one of the things I love about I'm European p- cinema yes. not pigeonholing you as Americans here not at all but maybe that's why we have a different opinion maybe that's interesting yeah I don't know that it's a happy ending, though. I think it's, uh, it's a resolution. I'm of at sorts, peace right? with dying, kind of. Well, it is a resolution, right? It, it is yeah, tying up this end, right? Whereas Europeans could leave that hanging, right? We're yeah. like, no. I, I'm not. I'm not going to divide us into two groups like that. It was an interesting little thing I remembered now. No, it's very. I think that's a really interesting thing. I wonder if if our just cultural differences uh, are that uh, we see it. A little differently because of maybe, that. maybe. But I spend so much time with, with, like, hanging out digitally like this with Americans, and uh, like I, I feel that it's not. I mean, it's not a far away culture at all for me. And I mean, I was raised with a lot of uh, media from uh, UK and from the US. I, I've seen most of the shows uh-huh. that anyone my age over there has seen. So, uh, but yeah, maybe the resolution thing. But it could also be just personal taste. But, Maybe I'd like a more open end, but this is a bit of an open end. Yeah, I'm, I'm not fully decided as you can hear. Not really. And I like the production of it. Mm, it sounds nice. Yeah, I really felt like musically they had, you know, gotten it, you know, pretty tight. But the drone, I, I'm not everything. The melody, you know, I'm a bit it's like only that I, I'm leaving the party, you know, a little bit. Like I'm not invested as much uh, around yeah. here. Yeah, and you know, my investment just came in in the idea that um, now that I've spent the time with it, I can defend it as a work that is like, yeah, it's not uh, off the shelf. You, this is one that if you're going to appreciate it, you have to um, you have to work at it. You know, just and throw it's it on. the origin of great discussions. I can't be denied that. Yeah. I'm, I, I think it was a little by happenstance that, uh, you know, I want to give Chaz all the credit, but, you know, that this turned out to be uh, such a, a rich uh, uh, experience for us to dissect as a podcast and the, the connections with 
um, that Lou was dying, the connections with the, the Lulu plays, all these different things. It just turned out to be really such an interesting thing uh, to do uh, and that I had no idea, you know, going into it when you said, oh, this, uh, you know, it was, I, I thought the only interesting thing going into it was that it was Lou Reed with what didn't seem like a natural uh, collaborative partner in Metallica. That was the, the advice aspect. Yeah, that was all I, and and it's you know in a lot of ways that's the least of it, right? The the you know the it's not uh, they they are working together, you know. Uh, yeah, that's just like the pitch or something. If yeah, even right. If even it's right. not even the elevator pitch. Not really. Like it's not no. the point. Well, that's the thing we were talking about too. Like, like you know, had the thing had a different spin when it came out, would it have been better received? And I don't, I don't know that we could meant. have gone as far as like what I was saying, right? But um, you know, like to you know, get yourself a book club and sit down with your friend once a week <laughs> for ten weeks and listen to the album. Yeah, it's uh, not that's that, what I did. Right? That's what the I did. AR guys like, what are you talking? Yeah, yeah. About? I went into your club right? to say a little bit more to the fans. You have to work on this one. Work with it. Right. Give us uh, give us a chance. We're trying something here. Right. They didn't give a shit at that time. I was it seems more like I mean, the press was actually very standoffish. It was very like you take it or leave yeah. it. We're just doing this and fuck you. It was pretty much it. Which is a pretty good attitude, actually, sometimes. Right. But here's where we got to the end. We're sitting at this drone for 10 minutes. And I was like, oh, it's like we're yeah. sitting at this funeral. And I was sitting in a sitting sauna out of town. Oh, I was boy. out of town in the sauna. And my uh, relatives like shared. Oh, were you? Yeah, yeah, listening to this last bit. Nice. So I did feel some relief. It's actually, pretty good sauna music. I was very clean. Old pores were cleaned out, and you guys you were, were cleansed. You guys were like cleansed too. Like oh, we're through this. We're finally through this. So I, I did feel it on a, it's a it. physical level. On a physical level, I was there. On a mental <laughs> level, not as much. But physically, that's great. Physically, well, yeah. at least there's that. Yeah, it well, seems I'm, to me more like a, a college uh, level music appreciation course where you're worried about passing the test and you're wondering what kind of questions you have at the end, right? you know, from the from the teacher. I mean, this is not easy listening, careless listening. No. You know, most no. of us listen to songs carelessly. They're in the background. We kind of pick up the melody or we pick uh -huh. up some hook from the lyric. This doesn't work that way. This is, nope. this is really, in a way, scholarly. You know, you have to yeah, well, you know, and, and Jerry, honestly, uh, yeah, I mean, it's one of the things that I've actually learned from all of my pod, uh, podcasting, uh, you know, colleagues on the Deep Dive Podcast Network. It's just that there are, you know, those bands and those um, pieces of work that you can really wrap your mind around, right, and really have great conversations. Um, and, and that's really where this is uh, for me, right? You know, a, a very social experience coming together around this really yeah. bizarre piece of music with uh, people that are, you know, of the same kind of exploratory or, you know, uh, adventurous spirit to just say, okay, from what we think we know and like as musicians, what do we think of this? I would and, even uh, say... That's why I love the approach of so many of these different podcasts, right? Because we're really just enthusiasts. We're not experts. Um, we, we bring our... Uh, our take on it, right? Whether it's amateur playing, Greg's playing, um, or more professional level, uh, as Jonathan has brought forward and even more of the, the theory and, and, and getting into hardcore but you know uh, what? musical uh, fact. I think you guys brought it forward. I think you took the concept of the deep dive and ran with it. 
doing this deep dive. I gotta say, you you upped the when you did this. This is not awesome, a simple man. thing. And amateur originally means a lover of something, like you know, there amor, you that kind of word. Amateurs should not be looked down upon. For me, there's no difference. Like, are you a scholar? Are you educated or not? I don't really care about that kind of stuff. I don't think Lou would either. You know, it's uh, if you are invested, that's the measure. That's the gauge. And that's how I, I think, like, doesn't matter if you're a music professor, you're not going to understand this better. Maybe if it's super complex arrangements or something, but I think uh, I think you took the concept and ran with it. You intensified, or <laughs> you added depth to the Deep Dive Podcast Network doing this. And that's why I, initially, I, even seeing the idea, I knew I wanted to listen to it. Awesome, man. Thank you. Yeah, well, right, now that's right. what we hope that, that the well, work stand out here. Uh, as a one in you know as as a uh, a statement so that when somebody is as curious as we once were they can come out and find it and it will live on right so doing these uh these mini casts or as well i guess as early on we were thinking like this was going to be like yeah a, a podcast mini series uh it was here we are we're wrapping it up at, with our uh, 11th episode and you guys have been a part of that but Jerry, uh, sully it sounded like you wanted to say something well, I'm looking forward to hearing uh, what's coming next. That's what, you know what? He, Jonathan uh, set me up so great for that. I was like, I'm going to go right into it because we know we have no more music to discuss. We're going to hear the, na- the, the same tone for the next four and a half minutes. So let me let me tell you about what we're doing. So first of all, I want to say thank you to you both for yeah, sitting you, through the entire work with us. Wow, we had a Lulu listening party. I never thought. Yeah, actually, that's Invite some friends over to listen to it, but here we are. We've done it. Oh my God. What's wrong with you guys? My pleasure. My pleasure. And that maybe makes it even more wrong. I don't know, but my pleasure. I felt felt when I listened to the 10th episode in the sauna uh, west of here, I felt that it it needed an 11th episode. And to also be part of it, it's great. Because it oh, wasn't over. Awesome. It wasn't really over. I mean, your shock of being pummeled and beaten to pulps, that was over. That was great. But the, the, I think uh, an 11th episode was in order. I don't think I was needed for it, but I'm very happy that I w- could join in and do it with you guys. Joining us from Stockholm, Sweden. Yeah. Greg, don't Please. we have some friends over there? That we talked about the very first. Uh, we had, we talked about some, some uh, musicians in Switzerland, right? Switzerland, okay. Same part. Both countries start with an S. I don't think it's very close. Switzerland is the cuckoo watch and the chocolate, and we are (laughs) IKEA and ABBA. You know, ABBA. That's right. uh, We were talking, uh, Jonathan, about uh, a band in um, Basel called the Lombago Surfers. Oh yeah, I remember that, and I, I was meaning to look it up too. Is it surf music? Yes, I guess so. It's sort of heavy. It's metal. You uh-huh. know, it's surf uh, punk, yeah, I would say. Yeah, metal, but with that kind of rolling. Yeah, a little bit of surf in yes. there, maybe. But mostly, it's a, it's sort of a metal thing, I think. Beats on but a. I don't, I don't know the music. It's just um, uh, a friend of mine from college. His, his uncle is the, the band That's leader. Cool. So, I just know of it, and I like the name Lombago Surfers. It is a good name, yeah. But we're, yeah. we were leveraging the power of the podcast to blow them up. So hopefully we're all, all hopefully everything's gone well with our friends the Lumbago surfers. Um, we know uh, over this you know course of this journey we learned a lot about Greg's affinity for uh, buffalo chicken wings and for being there and listening yeah. to Metallica and eating a plate of sloppy wings. 
going home, going to going to buy those uh, boneless wings. He's just a boneless guy. He'll go to uh, <laughs> Stu Leonard's and he'll go any any place to get the boneless wing. Um, me, I'm all. I, about I like the ones with the bone in too, but whatever. You well, we all talked about what that means to get deep everybody bone and all that. wants the big announcement, but I gotta say, I thought that the chess piece was the inferior meat part. I always thought that was what? the inferior part. A bit more dry, <laughs> stringy. What? <laughs> He's all about the, the thighs and the wings. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, I was surprised, but I'm not arguing with you. I'm not a meat okay. expert. I was like, is that oh, so the part? Is it really? You know? So then perhaps you, you were a, a supporter of that lawsuit, feeling like, yeah, wait, we're getting ripped off. On. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So on the other side of the spectrum, Sully, where did yeah. you land? Uh, you know, I, I thought it was the typical. Uh, you know, way of trying to make money as cheaply as possible. You know, that's why I stay away from fast food places. You know, I don't think <laughs> the food, the, I don't even want to be there. I've been, like, I've, been to, I've been to a Buffalo. Well, what, what's your, what was your feeling, Sully, on the lawsuit? Well, that, that was a nuisance lawsuit, obviously. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I think for I publici- might say that. If I'm all for, serious, if I'm all serious. publicity. Yeah, yeah. of yeah. course. But it worked. I mean, got got these guys talking and got us got all jazzed up. up. And we were just so excited following that news for weeks. But, yes, the big announcement yes. regarding Lulu. You've just wrapped it all up. We just heard the very last note of the very last song, Junior Dad. And so rolling out of this into the next uh, podcast, uh, Wolfie and I will be joining uh, uh, each other on a journey we're calling regarding roger roger waters from pink floyd is we recorded dark side of the moon have you guys heard about this yes i've I've been listening to it to to the new re-recorded dark side of the moon okay it's It's great yeah so well when i heard that news i was like what so the sour grapes as we all know a lot of sour grapes between Roger and Dave and uh, Nick gets thrown in there from time to time. Uh, but, you know, nonetheless, um, bad blood between the bands and figured, oh, the you know, 50th anniversary of Roger's just making noise. But um, got to hear the first track. It's uh, Money he released just a couple of weeks ago. And uh, he's truly doing something really different. He's got the source okay. material, but okay. this is extending it. So uh, Wolfie and I have said, wow. If there's any uh, excuse for a deep dive, this sounds like another one. So another 11-episode podcast miniseries that will be regarding Roger. And it starts the week of October 6th. So the week the uh, entire uh, new work uh, from Dark Side of the Moon is released. We'll be going through it track by track, one track a week for 10 weeks with a retrospective at the end. So... We'll be inviting participation just like we did, and you know, funny we didn't we didn't quite get the participation we thought ever on Lulu, Greg, did we? Mm. It seemed to be happening. It was a dream theme lined up. Dream theme. <laughs> you know, two, good, two actually good friends of mine, even though I know them uh, via distance. But uh, I was stoked to see oh Nate and Mark, yeah, because I yeah work with those guys quite regularly, especially Nate. Been talking for four years, I think three and a half. So I was like, oh yeah, my friends are gonna be there, but. Uh, Turns out that uh, it was still a good party. 
Just yeah, so we switched today. here. We got you in here, you know, without those guys. So um, <laughs> yeah, but I like to rock up alone. I like to rock up stag anyway, so it's, it's yeah. perfect. But I was gonna say well, about this, like everything to me is not linear but circular, and we're kind of back at the start because I'm a uh, very much uh, team. Uh, team uh, oh wow how can his name escape me now uh, david gilmer i'm very much david gilmer i think okay. that roger is, i think that roger is a clown and i when i heard <laughs> about this i felt like oh no oh no because right. i like pink floyd but it's not yeah. because of the waters so this will be interesting we're back at the start now it's like when i what i said about lulu about lou reed right so let's see if i change yeah. my mind ah. i'm gonna listen for sure exactly and that's why we're here. We're glad to be of service. Now we can study the, we're going to study the feud between Roger and David, you know, because it's really fierce and ongoing. It is. And there's a lot to be said. And I think the last thing we saw in the press was that Roger was generally very complimentary of his former bandmates and the work they did on that thing called the dark side of the moon, but he just felt he had more to say. So we'll see. Uh, what, does that, yeah, what does that sound like and how complimentary is it yeah. and how respectful is he of his uh, bandmates? And you know, I think the cool thing about this one going along the way is that because it's all, as you just said, happening in real time, there could be some news and other things that'll pop up along the way. Just like it did with Lulu. We were so mm -hmm. many, so many surprises along the way. As Greg said, the big reveal is we did not know the book was coming out. So, you know, to, to be going through a work that no one had talked about for God knows how many years um, and then have this confluence of events that would make uh, greater insight possible uh, from not only the, the, the man himself, but from those that were closest to him, those that worked with him, his bandmates, Metallica. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, it was an unexpected journey. Um, and it resolved here tonight. Uh, and so, again, guys, thank you so much for being You're with welcome. us and on this journey. And then, yes, as we get into regarding Roger, who knows where the hell that's going to go. Uh, you know, You're doing oh, it again. I, You're doing it again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Yeah, the dark Thanks side. Again, of Thanks I've again. heard it's all dark. Isn't that true? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Wish You Were Here. That's my album. Ah. That's a good record. Wish You Were Here. Yeah, um, yeah I'm a big it. fan of, obviously, uh, The Wall. Um, a had a profound impact on me as a young guy. Sully? Looking forward to that. Sully, yes, you I, a big Pink Floyd fan? I am not a big Pink Floyd fan, but I, I, you know, I do listen to their music. And of course, I've got Dark Side of the Moon on CD. It's one of the few CDs I, I play, you know, from beginning to end. You know, right. I'm mostly a guy who likes mixes, you know, and, mm. and moving songs around with different uh, artists. But Dark Side of the Moon, that, that goes in the car. You can uh, play it from beginning to end, you know, a, a thousand times. And there's still, so, there's always something there. That's great. So I think yeah. I think I'm I can't wait for this to start. Awesome. I'll start my Great. homework already. All right. So we've got two I'll listeners. Start, Greg. I'll start sending no I'll listeners? start sending you notes already. Excellent. Yes. All right, man. Confirm. You're gonna write my script. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll stay out over here. I'll just be a listener, but uh, okay. confirmed okay. listener. All right. <laughs> confirmed listener. That's cool. But, uh, let's bring in Nate. Glad to have you. Uh, yeah. We'll get Nate, we'll get Mark. Uh Corey has already expressed everybody. Yeah, we'll awesome. we'll have awesome. a good time. And speaking of, wow, Corey Morissette, we forgot virtual 
Michael Corey with our rundown of all the great podcasts on the Deep Dive Podcast Network. Corey, welcome. What do you got for us? This is part of the Deep Dive Podcast Network, which is slowly becoming uh, the Corey Kevin Scott uh, podcast universe because between the three of us i think we do like half the shows now on the deep yeah. dive podcast network let's run CMPU, through them all you man yeah <laughs> uh first off we have myself and scott haskin do a little show called backtracks aerosmith revisited uh myself and john mariano do a show called backtracks theme music talking our favorite music in movies uh myself and kevin brown i've just started a new <laughs> show called the ultimate catalog clash season one is taking a look at phil collins era genesis uh the first uh, proper episode uh, dropped this week and i'm waiting for all my hate mail from the uk any day now because oh, 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 i, uh, I i'm not kind to the proggy genesis sound and i'm sure i'm gonna hear about it uh kevin brown also does two fantastic shows one being the tom petty project the other being seaside pod review a queen podcast with yes. his good buddy randy woods um do not bug uh, kevin for downvoting 39 even though no one else on the planet can understand it and i don't understand it why he downvoted voted one of brian may's greatest songs makes no fucking sense but hey kevin you do you and enjoy what? all the hate mail you've been getting on that what? he downvoted what 39 do? like, how could you do it, that it, it, it's the highlight of a queen concert when brian gets out there with the 12 string and plays 39 and gets the crowd singing with him it, it's absolutely phenomenal kevin's just a a, a thief of joy he hates but everything. I, oh, I respect, I respect the fact that oh. kevin's just like this one nah yeah, fuck it, wow. done, out. But I, I, I think he's been hearing about it online. So I want to encourage that. Please make Kevin feel as bad as you can for downvoting 39 and Randy for downvoting. Yeah, as, as a song. representative of the Brian May Guitar Company, you'll you'll find me actually out there listed on the featured artists on their page. Oh. Um, <laughs> for, for the United States of America, Chaz Charles is there oh, with wow. his red special. But I got to say, you're not being, yeah, you, you need to revisit things. You need to reevaluate something. Something's wrong with your data. If you're finding a problem with that song, something's Find wrong some with your Find some joy in your life, Kevin Brown. Find some joy. Uh, let's keep it going here. Scott Haskin <laughs> has a show called Uriah Heap, the Magician's Podcast. Nate and John at the Deep Purple Podcast. The Simple Man at Skinnered Reconsidered. Terry T-Bone Mathley at T-Bone's Prime Cuts on the other side. Rye at Sabbath Bloody Podcast. Paul, Joan, David at In the Lap of the Pods. That's a better Queen podcast. I'm sure they love 39. <laughs> Andy and Matt at Hawk Binge. Eric and Jonathan at Maiden A to Z. Daniel and Josh at Diary of the Madman, the Ultimate Aussie Podcast. Ben and Sam at Universally Speaking, the Red Hot Chili Peppers Podcast. George and Hattie at the Judas Priestcast. Clay and Riot North by South Podcast. That's Canadian versus music versus American music. It's a lot of fun. Greg and Jonathan at So Far, So Pod, So What, Tucking All Things Megadeth. Quinn and volume for all sav nick steve and mark at the rock roulette podcast Chaz and greg are wrapping up regarding lulu pretty quick that has been an interesting experiment Chaz. all right now you you heard the man himself describe what a, a couple pro. podcasts what a pro. that we've got right here yeah so yeah. jonathan tell us about your podcasting career uh, again you know so this was great thank you so much it was so great to meet you finally and to have you on and talking to you today but i have heard you on other podcasts and i have heard your podcast so tell us uh, please for us and our listeners um who you are and the shows that you bring forward because we've talked a lot about iron maiden talked a little bit about megadeth but you've been doing this a while yeah, uh, I think not that long, three and a half years, but I published okay. a lot of episodes during those three and a half years. I started with a show I called Games for Riffs, where we talked about particular riffs. 
two per episode, and then you know it turned out to be a string of riffs. And that one is concluded. Last episode was with Nate, actually, the final episode of that. He came in playing bass and guitar because we played instruments in those episodes as well. So that's kind of how oh, I Oh, it was just about the riffs. Yeah, about riffs and different artists, you know, like more of a pot of Got thunder, it. pot of thunder thing, you know, that you switch okay. artists every yep. week. Yeah, and uh, that's a, a podcast I love and I've, you know, taken some tricks from. Uh, the purple podcast. I think that's too. the one we're all stealing from. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's great. It's great. <laughs> great guys, too. I talk to them a lot. So I, I really am. I was surprised with podcasting about the community aspect of it. Yeah, me too. I made good, good friends. And I've also got some legit work here in Sweden just from podcasting because, I, of course, we don't make a dime doing it, but right. we get network. You get to know people and they know, okay, you can do this and that, including the job I've had for two weeks now that I told you about the production. Uh, oh, that's excellent yeah it's via that but yeah i do the made a to z thing it's uh alphabetical took that from a guy called tom Kui, who did uh, alphabetalica and including all the lulu tracks but i skipped all those episodes who wants to hear i'm gonna have to go check that out now yeah, <laughs> and no. here i am now you know who, who, like, who's uh I don't know what you would say. Like, uh, I feel like uh, I'm, I've gotten uh, grown wiser. And then it's like, uh, of we, course, well, I don't know. Like we said before, there might have been some destiny involved in this with you. I think so. Yeah. Well, there has, there has been signs, right? Including uh, Bill O'Reilly. <laughs> yeah. like that, that was we'll a weird thing. Like, what is the, oh, I recognize. Oh, yeah. Because we used that no, for we'll a show live. intro yeah. uh, with that band. But mm. uh, yeah, that's that's it about Made Nate to see. You can check it out. It's. Uh, no, very we'll do it live. very okay. nerdy yeah. indeed but you can't talk about a band like that without being ridiculously nerdy not really so that's the one and then oh, the, come on. the second up the irons up the irons up i the have irons. my eddie statuettes right over here unfortunately show... my dog knocked eddie a uh, headhunter eddie off the counter and broke the heart out of his hand so i'm very upset oh. i'm a dog guy i like dogs but okay <laughs> I second show dog, but he hurt my second head. show is uh so far so pod so what with greg yes. from buffalo and that's not too far away from your neck of the woods is it upstate new york not too far from me uh i'm in connecticut uh new york's oh. a big state so it's it's yeah. it's a hike but uh yeah my son was uh in school for the last four years in syracuse new york which is is closer more upstate yeah that's close uh, right. in that yeah. direction, direction so you got like syracuse so. rochester and buffalo that's to me, seems like some yeah. hubs in that particular so, Yeah, I mean, in the scheme of, of the great uh, grand United States, Buffalo is pretty close to me. Mm -hmm. So I got to know him via podcasting. And then there was this thing, okay. Rai. You know Rai, right? Uh, Sabbath Body Podcast. Yep. One of the OGs yep. of the network. He wanted a Megadeth podcast badly. It was like, everyone okay. just want to talk about Metallica all the time or Iron Maiden. Like, what, what's going on? And I knew that if, if I can get Greg on board, I can do this. Because with Maiden, I have that ridiculous knowledge bank that I didn't even plan to get. You know, it just came mm. to me over the years. But I don't really with Megadeth. I love the music, but I don't know yeah. as much as Greg. So Greg is like the information bank for that. And also, he's just an overall great guy, a very entertaining guy. And he has deep knowledge of uh, European and especially Swedish metal. So And I got know a lot about American metal and even American like rock. I, classic rock is a favorite genre of mine. I mentioned ZZ Top, you know, okay. Leonard Skinner. All of that stuff, I, I think, is great. So that's a very nice exchange. He's become a very close friend. Uh, so yeah, that's like that's the story, I guess. You know, so more so than uh, promoting my shows, I guess I promoted the uh, the brotherhood, uh, the the, yeah. the love within the network. Yeah. 
Well, you know, and that's it. You know, it's like I think you guys just said recently on one of your shows, right? It's like when you go see Iron Maiden, everyone sings um, Blood Brothers, right? You know, it's that idea that you're part of a community, you're part of something bigger, right? Very much, very much. Um, I'll never forget. I was, uh, I was in, uh, I was uh, down in Houston, Texas, down there on business. And uh, when I'm in business, you know, you've seen on the other podcast, I do analytics and data and stuff like that. So, you know, when I'm walking around in the airport, I'm, you know, I'm dressed uh, pretty corporate, kind of dry. And Mm -hmm. um, I'm standing there waiting for my flight. And there are a bunch of people hanging around Iron Maiden shirts. And sure enough, I just start talking to them, throwing the horns, you know, up the irons. And you got friends from all over the earth, no matter where you are, no matter what you look like at the time, you know, when someone's advertising with the shirt, you know, I don't care if I'm walking down the street and, you know, not France or, you know, uh, and, you know, sitting in an airport lounge in, in Houston, when I see that shirt, I've got somebody to talk to and I've done it you know, like all over the world. And it's great. So yeah, the metal community is wonderful. And the deep dive podcast network actually just keeps getting bigger. Even with, as we just talked about some classic bands, there is one more announcement before I let you guys go today. Oh, really? And that is wow. regarding another podcast about another very famous, very uh, band with a, a big catalog, that wonderful group Rush, 167 songs of theirs. Uh, we're going to go through them all, my friend Shats. Uh, so it's going to be Rush Rash with Chaz and Shats. Say that real fast. Rush Rash with Chaz and Chats. But worse that's than coming. So, far, so, so what? Even worse. <laughs> but I love Rush. So yeah, that's great news. Didn't right. Know. So you know what? And, and like you were just sense. describing with Megadeth, we're, we're we're Rush fans, but we're not. I, I'm not a huge Rush fan. I, I love Rush. Um, I know practically every song, but I'm not the fan that my friend Al is. So Shats is going to be that depth of knowledge, and we're going to get together and go through every one of those songs and have a good time doing it and stealing uh, podcast. Uh, formats from the deep dive network uh, that everyone knows and loves we'll be spinning a wheel and uh, taking our shot with whatever comes up so looking forward to that that starts uh, in september that's some good news yeah man so that's it so sully what do you got going on what are we promoting in retirement uh we're 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 uh, i'm promoting the good life we'll do it live uh, never having to get up with an alarm anymore nice. you know you just get up when you want to and uh, and your day is your own so i well, just go traveling I around just, the southwest i just yeah trying to tra- travel and and uh you know just trying to stay healthy it's hard you know at 77 it's hard to stay healthy i i thought it'd be easy but there's always something coming your way you know when you get older unfortunately but uh yeah so what's that best tip what's that one thing you need to be doing what do i have to uh, get ready you know you, you know what you have to do you have to be on shows like this you there know you where go. you're where you're happy and you're you're motivated and uh, and you're trying to live a good life that's that's all part of it man. we'll do it live that's what right you got to do man. and i think i think you Chaz. you know you're you're there helping me out with uh, uh keeping me involved with your stuff and it right, was great well. And it was great to meet Greg through this too. And uh, like today, I was listening, uh, you know, to him uh, on Facebook today. You know, he put a song out, which is, you know, very nice. Little, uh, little Bob Marley, stuff. I played. Yeah, little Bob Marley. Hmm. Today. So I've been doing uh, mostly original stuff on the acoustic guitar on Sundays and just posting something to Facebook. Uh, yeah. But uh, 
I don't know. It was just a beautiful morning, and I just felt like singing Three Little Birds, which we do in the band is one of our tunes we cover, uh, a bunch of Bob Marley songs. So That's on a lot of my mixes. I mean, Three Little Birds is definitely a song that I try to live by. You know, that's that's part mm-hmm. of, you know, trying to be very positive about that. Yeah, that's part of uh, dealing with age then, that attitude, I think. It's a go-to song it. for me as well. I'm not huge in reggae, but that song is good. It's a fl- mm. play- playlist uh, frequent. But yeah, uh, great to meet you too, Jerry, I gotta add. Because yeah. I've already signed the places too. to guys. Yeah, nice to see you. And, uh, you know, surprise, a surprise, extra perspective. That's great. Yes, yes. And and with that, everyone, every little thing is going to be all right. Some of the best, be right. uh, you know, advice I've ever gotten uh, out of a song. And in fact, yeah, something we say around here all the time no matter what life is thrown at you. And I think, right, uh, boy, uh, uh, at the end of the day, we got thrown this this record so long ago, it's taken a long time to get around to a place of coming to this place of appreciation. But I think we've all gotten there in our own way. And so mm-hmm. with that, I want to thank everybody for being there with us, for going through this, for doing this. You made it. Pat yourself on the back. A high five. We did this. So please, yes, come back together with us in a couple of weeks. Uh, we will uh, be talking about uh, uh, regarding regarding Roger and Rush Rash. All coming real soon, but thanks for being with us on this journey so far. And uh, here's to hoping that now, as we've gotten through this and as this lives on, uh, on uh, the Deep Dive Network, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, wherever you heard this, tell your friends, share it with folks, but let's watch the numbers grow. Let's have you know, the, the, the Lulu Appreciation Society, uh, go totally boneless, man. I want this to be like water, liquid and pervasive everywhere. If you know Sun Tzu, you know the reference. When we're boneless like water, ain't nothing stopping us. Every little thing's going to be all right. Thank you, everybody. So much okay, for being here. Bye. Bye. Squawk. Squawk.